everyone. Welcome to episode 89 of Respawn Aim Fire, the Reverend Gaming, the Kick-Ass Reverend Gaming podcast. Nailed it. Boom. I nailed it the second time. Second time around. And this episode's an exciting episode because it's our end of the year and also beginning of the year episode. So we're talking all yeah. 2019 uh, predictions and stuff. But before that, we're going to get into Game of the Year stuff. We're going to talk about Barf, which was Chad this year, or this month. Uh, Game of the Year contenders. Yes. So I played Hollow Knight. Hi, my name is Chad Michael Ennis, player of Hollow Knight this month. Uh, that's Holden Tapardo, who spoke earlier, player of God of War, God PlayStation of War. 4 2018 edition. Wait, I was supposed to play the PlayStation 4 version? I played... Oh. PSP? You played the, the phone game that I was played on, the phone like, game. not the iPhone, but, like, the I text. was so confused why I got Game of the Year at the Game Awards. <laughs> it's like, really? This is it? I guess it's efficient. Oh, you're so fucking funny. You're I'm hilarious. Funny. I am hilarious. <clears throat> We're going to start off with Game of the Year, though, just to kind of get that out of the way, since we'll be talking in depth about, um, in Barth about the games, we don't want to ruin whether or not those are the winners or not, and spoiler alert... We're going to get to it right now. It's not even a spoiler alert. Hold on. Like, Speaking of spoilers. No, no, there, no. During Chad. the barf discussion, there will be spoilers. Oh, yes. Heavy spoilers on God of War and Hollow Knight. We will let you know, audio-wise, when they're about to start. And you can check, if you're concerned about it, if you haven't played these games, you can check the uh, show notes at the podcast, mm-hmm. Goddamn Shit, where you can see when we stop talking about them. Yeah. Um, we won't talk a long about God of War, though, because that game sucked. So. Suck dick! Why is that a bad thing? When people say that suck dick as if it were bad, why is that a bad thing? Yeah, that, I that's enjoy offensive. a good blowjay. <laughs> um, I think it's for the person who's doing the sucking is what they're saying. I mean, I enjoy going down on women. I assume they enjoy going down on dudes. That's that's a valid statement. I mean, even if most of them don't, I'm sure. But maybe it's saying like, maybe if you were to really say the suck a dick statement, like, man, that sucks a dick. That's horrible. It'd be like, man, as a straight guy being forced to suck a dick, that's terrible. Like, it'd, it'd be like that. I don't know. Got to yeah. do what you got to do for your country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's There's treason to not suck a dick for your country. Military, but <laughs> Chad, what were you going to say? Go. Let's talk about whatever we're supposed to talk about. Well, I was going to say, let's just get into our game of the year stuff and let's just go for it. So we're going to do what our game of the year is, and then we're going to do our honorable mentions. Actually, we're going to do honorable mentions leading up to game of the year. I think that's what people who listen to the podcast regularly already know what our game of the they year is. They already know what the game of the year is. I've said the game of the year every week since i played the game <laughs> so i've mentioned that it's my favorite game of all time so how can it not be game of the year so that'd be hi, really fun if it wasn't, my name though. is chad michael Linus, and my game of the year 2018 is god of war playstation 4 2018 <gasps> edition i'm really surprised this game is the most perfect example of a video game where all of the systems the in-game economy the combat the exploration the story the ai all of it is so perfect and purposeful and you never feel like there's a wasted minute at all everything about this game is beautiful and perfectly crafted and we're going to talk more about it in our barf discussion but i think that yeah this is this is my favorite game of all time it is by far the greatest game of the generation um and i won't ever play red dead redemption 2 so (laughs) it's gonna remain that for me for the rest of my life (laughs) Which I assume is garbage. It's a trash game. It's a stupid baby game for babies. Stupid baby game for babies. So yes, I don't want to talk too much about God of War because we're going to go in depth with that in Barf. But that is absolutely, without a doubt, surprise to no one, my game of the year. 
And that's a coincidence because I'm also not going to go too in depth with the game, my game of the year, because we'll also talk about it during Barf because it's not got a war, but it's Hollow Knight. Oh, surprise! Shit. Legit, I was I thought it was going to be Red Dead Redemption Two. No, it's it's Hollow Knight. Um, I will explain why Red Dead Redemption Two is not my game of the year, and really, actually, it just comes down to I haven't beaten it. It can't be my game of the year if I haven't beaten <laughs> the game. <laughs> I didn't have time to. Um, but Hollow Knight is. Kind of just like you said with God of War, it's just so perfectly executed from the art design to the music to even just the level design. The kind of like charms, like abilities you get are all all really work really well together in the world. I loved exploring the world. It brought me back to being a kid and playing my Game Boy for as long as I possibly could through the street light because there was no backlight in the games. Like, uh, the street light outside, like... It brought me back to those moments as a child, and that's just something you don't get very often with games. And then you add in the fact that it was made by three people, and and I, we've talked about like how you shouldn't really judge a game based on the number of people who made the game, but in this case, it's kind of inspirational because at least for me, like if I'm being very personal here, I've been learning coding for the past uh, say yes year, I'd say roughly a year, um, and. This is kind of me realize, hey, I could make games. This is totally feasible, and and it wouldn't be like I could make a crappy game. Like, no, I could make a cool game. I could make a really awesome game. It's totally feasible nowadays. And they, it just Team Cherry pointed out that anyone can do that, and that's really special. That's really magical. Um, I love that game. It's great. We'll go more in depth with like you know the mechanics and all that kind of stuff for the game. But I think it's kind of like my quick little rundown of why I think it's nice. the game of the year. For anyone out there who's a hate ass hater, being like. Well, technically, Hollow Knight came out last year. First of all, gender is fluid. (laughs) (laughs) And sexuality is a continuum, and so is Game of the Year. It is changing. Language evolves. Yeah, like, like the meaning of the year, like, 2019 or 2018 or 2017, it's meaningless and arbitrary. I mean, like, what does technically, it mean, really? it's all based on the time Jesus was born. <laughs> was he actually really a person? So no one even knows. Oh, my God. That but... might be the most offensive thing you said in the podcast. <laughs> it's only offensive to Christians, which is most of the world. Most of actually, America. I will say, I don't think anyone in the Bible Belt listens to our podcast. I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to assume that. But um, anyway, it came out on Switch and consoles this year, yes. and that's where the bulk of the conversation started, and that's what uh, defined Game of the Year for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Game of the Year rules. Yeah. A lot of people have, actually a lot of Game of the Year lists have kind of been like, honorable mention, you can't really mention it because it didn't really come out this year. We're like, oh, fuck it. Why don't I? It came out this if year. If I like, wanted to be Mario Kart 64, it's fucking Mario Kart 64 this year, because maybe that's what I played the most. <laughs> I didn't play. This I wouldn't. Year. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far with it. Um, that said, my first honorable mention is Breath of the Wild, um, just because it's a magical experience. And it doesn't matter what year it came out; it's always a good experience every year. To to set In the this two up. Years to set this up. I'm kidding. It's honorable, mentions, honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, we we're not doing any like. Oh, this is my second best game of the year. This is my third best. This is the best PlayStation. We're not doing any of that. We're just be like, this is the game we like most. These are some kick ass games. Yeah. Uh, so I was I, I was a nine... lot more selective, yeah. Than you uh, yeah, were. you were a lot more selective, and I was a lot more slutty. <laughs> <laughs> Chad is a polyamorous a gamer. <laughs> I am. Gender is fluid. Sexuality is a continuum. <laughs> uh, since I have so many, I've got to get through them all in the time that you get through three. So I'm going to start 
You wait. You said you have three. I've said that three. three times now. I'm yeah. Feeling so why don't you do three, it. and then I'll do one, and then you do three, and I'll do one. Great. Uh, I'm going to start with a chunk. First of all, there were so many games that came out early this year that I completely forgot came out this year, and what a great beginning of the year we had. But I wanted to start with uh, obviously a huge shout out to Celeste. And we've talked about it a ton on here before, but Celeste is a game that came out that was a, an indie game from a company that had made Towerfall Ascension, which was an Ouya exclusive game at the time. That's but special. It was a, it's a, a 2D platformer game that it was all word of mouth. You heard mm-hmm. one person say, oh my god, this game is amazing. And they told this outlet, oh my god, you guys should play this game. And they played it, oh my god, this is amazing. And it didn't have a huge marketing campaign or anything. You just heard from other people that this is an amazing game. You have to play it. And then you play it, and you start out... I remember uh, getting Kevin Melvin to play it. And you start out, and you're like, this is a pretty good platformer. And then you very quickly realize within World 2-ish, World 3, that not only is it a really incredible platformer with some of the best platforming mechanics that I've seen in a long time, but it also has an amazing story, which is something you don't normally get with platforming. Mm-hmm. And that story being about mental illness... And the way that they tie that so closely into the gameplay and the mechanics that you're using itself is is brilliant and magical. And as someone who is very close, like I've had some mental illness issues with myself with body dysmorphia and eating disorders and a little bit of depression. And my roommate has had issues like seeing this game, the relationship that Madeline has with herself and the other characters and the fact that it doesn't make any logical sense is exactly mm-hmm. what it's like to go through that. So even yep. if you've if you've struggled with that, it's really cathartic to be able to see that on screen and be like, oh my god, somebody gets me. Oh, yeah, and you'll play you the game and you'll be like, oh, I felt this before. Exactly, <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. I'm not alone in this. If you yeah. haven't struggled with that before, this is the best way of any movie or song or television show or any portrayal of mental illness I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This is the way that I feel like if you play this game, you're going to understand that most. Yeah. Uh, Which I think is really, really amazing. From such a small team, the soundtrack is so incredible. It's something that I've actually, every single night as I go to bed, there's a a version, there's a, a group that called Prescription for Sleep that does like video game soundtracks, but they're like lullaby versions. And I've been listening to the Celeste one as I go to sleep every night for like the last few weeks. Um. So yeah, Celeste, if you haven't played it, it's amazing. It's like 20 bucks. It's free on Games with Gold for January if you have an Xbox. It's a must play. Must play. For yeah. for until God of War came out, it was my number 1 for game of the year. Yeah. Um I I'll just jump in cuz actually Celeste is one of mine as well. Well, fuck. Now I've got to read five more. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean everything you said, uh it's the the same exact thing for me. Also just a really challenging uh, yeah. platformer really it's, challenging and I, it's there's... challenging and you struggle in a way that is so it's not frustrating because it is immediately you pick right back up and yeah, yeah but also they're so encouraging they're like hey don't worry get back up you can do it again or mm-hmm. try again yeah you might fail a lot but that's okay exactly and it, like the difficulty is part of that experience of dealing with mental illness and that kind of yeah. stuff mental health issues um that's if that's part of it in the, in the game is that difficulty but also you can Go through the path that's the, the the main path, if you will, and beat the game. But you can also explore out and go to the B-sides and the C-sides of every level. And that's where it gets, like, incredibly difficult. Yeah. So it's kind of like you can challenge yourself further and you'll become a better player if you 
if you challenge yourself in those kind of earlier B-sides, so you're way better by the time you get to the end of the game, um, the, the muscle memory is going to kick in better and that kind of stuff. I never got that muscle memory because I'm really bad at it. <laughs> but I see people who can do amazing things. Like if you watch videos of people that playing the game online, it's amazing the stuff that I didn't even know you could really do in that game. Just the, the, the flowing of each movement to the next one. Because every level has a really unique way of moving about it. Every level has some sort of new mechanic that changes things up a little bit. And that's really cool to see kind of play out when it gets way more challenging. Like the one where it's, um, you know, like the goose sections where you can kind of float through them. Yeah. Oh my God. The B side of that is, I, I could not even make it through it. I can't even I never imagine tried how hard the this is. They're so impossibly hard. I mean, it's, it's a new game plus version of each level. If you want to think of it that way. And then the C sides like new plus plus. Just even harder. It's ridiculous. I also love that there are like collectibles throughout it. They're like, like the strawberries. The strawberries. Like, yeah. Hey, strawberries are here if you want to go for them. You don't have to. They don't get you anything special other than just bragging rights. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, collect the strawberries if you want. Like, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Chad, where are your other five before <clears throat> we get to one more of mine? Unless you uh, mention another one of the games that I have. I, I might. You played a lot of <laughs> VR this year, right? <laughs> I did, yeah. Um, I wanted to shout out to Sprint Vector. Sprint Vector is a game that I played that came out earlier this year. Uh, it's a VR game. I believe it's PSVR exclusive. But it's the game where you are... It's a race. You're sprinting through all of these different worlds. It's the first online VR game that I felt was done really, really well. There's really cool matchmaking. Everyone's avatars are around you. You can wave, interact, you can high-five. But you're racing people. You're sprinting in real time with people all over the world. It's pretty cool. Um, but it's a game that encouraged me to, like, that was the first time I thought about VR being a legit workout exercise tool, and I did make that my cardio for a good two weeks. <laughs> and it's something that I would I would That's put cool. on a workout on my watch and, and I'd get done with a level, and I would be panting and dripping sweat, and I'd look down, and my heart rate's like 150. I was like, all right, damn, I'm getting a good workout playing this. But it's a game that's so smooth. It were, it's beautiful in VR because of how bold the colors are and and uh, all of these lavish environments with cell shading and like really cool like lava and acid and all these kind of things and different pitfalls for you to avoid. Um, but it's it's just a, a really great, well functioning, the first great online multiplayer VR game that I played. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about is also a VR game, Astrobot. Is the most complete full game experience that I've played on PlayStation VR, uh, and in general, I mean, I haven't played Oculus and Vive in maybe over a year, but I think in general, the most aside from obviously Resident Evil Seven, that is a literal full game. But Astrobot was one of those that whenever people were reviewing it, they were calling it like the Super Mario sixty four of VR, and the fact that it was able to completely take that platform. And give you a game that was 100% from the ground up built for that platform and made you really see its potential. And I think all of the mechanics that were in it are so amazing. The characters are charming. There are a few different simple types of enemies, but they use them in all sorts of different ways that change things up and make them challenging. There are hidden secrets that use VR to your advantage where you have to like scope out levels and move around in your chair and look up and down to find little hidden chameleons everywhere. Uh, and it's a, it's a challenging game as well, which I think like for VR, 
can get really difficult to implement because challenging like very quickly things in VR can get too challenging for the medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it found like a perfect sweet spot. That's one of those games where like if you have a PlayStation VR, that should absolutely be one of your very first purchases. Hold on, I think I've been talking for a while. I want you to talk. Do you have more games to do? You do another one. I actually only have four left. Here's the thing. Though. Here's, all right, here's the next one. God of War. We'll talk about it later. All right, you're next. <laughs> God damn it, Holden. <laughs> all right. Um, ooh, so here's one that you're hopefully going to play soon because I bought it-ish for you. And made I bought you money for it, so you have to play it. I, I, did, um, I, I downloaded it. Just Shapes and Beats. This is a game that I... I forget when it came out. Tuesday. Tuesday. It was probably on a Tuesday. Yeah. No, like um, this Tuesday. Upcoming. It's yeah. not out yet. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I put an early it. release, early access copy of it. No, this yeah. is a game that <laughs> early came out on Switch. By a year. They announced it at E3. That's what I saw it at E3, and then it came out yeah, shortly thereafter. Sense. But it is a rhythm shoot 'em up type game. Where there are, you're just on the screen as a little blue square and you're moving around and there's all sorts of different types of pulsing shapes going throughout and lasers and bosses and, but it's such a charming game and it's one that makes you feel so, it's one of those like nervous, like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe I just avoided that. And then you get through a level, which is anywhere from 45 seconds to a minute and you get to the end of it and you finally breathe and you're like, fuck yeah, I'm so fucking good at this game. <laughs> uh, See, but here's, here's the thing about Beat, Just the Shapes and Beats. Though. I'm pretty sure you played that game the same week you played Luminous. And so the, since this was a much better rhythm oh, game God. for you, it just ruined Luminous for you. So <laughs> I, I just so I don't, technically, I don't know if I can play a game that killed Luminous for somebody. I don't know. Luminous <laughs> is on my list for honorable mentions for pieces of trash. <laughs> <laughs> that's a separate list no just shapes and beats what i love about it is that that gameplay is so addicting and makes you feel so freaking great um it's not really a rhythm game it's set to music so that you can kind of expect when things will come on the screen um but it's not really a rhythm game it's more about avoiding obstacles and mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah but that game is so fucking charming and has such uh like the the music and the little avatars that are all over the world Everything is just like a happy, smiling sunflower, and then it gets corrupted, and it totally turns into this big, evil sunflower. Um, but the simplistic design of everything and how cheery and upbeat everything is is amazing. And the fact that the the world itself, the overworld that you're moving from level to level in the middle of the game becomes part of the platforming itself mm-hmm. is super fucking cool. Um, Absolutely worth a play. It's on Switch. It's twenty bucks. I bought it for you. You're gonna play it. Gonna I just downloaded it. it. Actually, it should be done downloading by now. Done, done, done downloading. I did have a little scare though, because you sent me um the card and it says for Wii U and 3DS, and I'm like, it should still work, but Amazon needs to change that because that's really do, conf- yeah. that's really confusing. It worked, but that was really confusing. Um, I'll talk about Shadow of the Colossus real quick because that one I think was. One of the most perfect remasters of a game that has ever been made. Oh, that looked worse it, than the original. What are you talking about? You're an idiot. You're a fucking idiot. That game was fucking gorgeous in 4K HDR. Yeah, but it still looks like a PS2 game. <laughs> <laughs> I think that game itself, first of all, it's it's a game that when it came out a thousand years ago, 
was not beautiful. I mean, it was for the time, the graphics that it was, but it was beautiful in a way, like in a, in a way that you might call like a, a good book beautiful or something like, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. Um, it's great. <laughs> it's a great fucking game. ended at that. It's no, it's a great remaster built completely from the ground up, but still feels exactly like the original in such a gorgeous way. Mm-hmm. Um, playing that game, how, how awful you feel killing these giant gentle colossi but also how incredibly unique and amazing each one is and how much of a puzzle each I, even if i hate i hate puzzles yeah but the solving the puzzle of each of these colossi is super satisfying and um next one i've only got two more left i really want you to talk okay i'll do i'll share a game then okay okay um it's is an honorable mentions and it's reddit redemption 2 this is the last one um okay it, this game is incredible, and it, had I finished it, there's a really good chance it could have topped Hollow Knight. And and I am going to say this. I do think that I, in terms of like ranking it, I know we're going to rank it, I would put it above something like God of War. And the reason is that both are executed perfectly. They're just perfectly executed games. At no point when I was playing God of War was I thinking, oh man, that was risky. Like, oh, man, like, that shot of Kratos punching someone through the air and, like, going inside of a snake and like, all these kind of things. Like, all these things are super cool and epic. But at no point we're like, are people going to like this? You know what I mean? Like, it's so fucking epic and awesome. There's no way that no one could not enjoy that. You know what I mean? Whereas making Ready to Redemption 2, it's like, hey, yeah, you can shave. And, like, it'll <laughs> it'll it'll impact, you know, uh, you know how people see you, like, your bounties. Like, if they'll recognize you for a bounty or not. I'm like... That's a risky thing. That's a harder thing, I think, to say, we know everyone's going to love this, so we're going to put that in the game, of course, because people love to clean their guns, and people love to, you know, spend a long time going across a landscape before they get to where they have to go. Like, there were decisions that were made in the game that really could have been been really bad. They <laughs> could have played out really terribly. And it didn't because it was executed so well. Um, and that's kind of why I think it's... And I'm not saying that to say it's better than God of War. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I just have an appreciation for it for taking that huge risk. That said, there was a risk in God of War if that if that game didn't do well. <laughs> Santa Monica Studios kind of does. They really couldn't take risks the same way that Rockstar can take risks. Uh, there was, the studio was not writing on Red Dead Redemption 2 making it or not. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They're totally GTA 5 bombed. It bombed. It was did horribly. Um, it it was it's a really risky game. It it was a very risky game, and I think that's why it didn't win everything at the Game Awards. Is because it didn't, it wasn't favorable to everybody. Not everyone. Like, yeah, the people who really loved it, or I mean, liked it, really liked it. But there's not like a, a middle ground really of people who are kind of eh, on Red Dead. It's like I don't see why people liked it at all, or it's it was the best thing ever. Like there's really not a lot of middle ground for that game. Um, and it's because it was a risky game, and I think it totally paid off. And and blockbusters in any medium don't do that they don't take risks like that i guess like it'd be like honestly it's kind of like um it's like the it's like um the, the transformers kind of stuff or like even like bumblebee just came out but like that's not really a risky movie still you know what i mean like it's still transformers even though like, it's a better version of still transformers it's it's like star wars is always gonna be star wars like they decided to take a different direction with video games with Red Dead redemption 2 and just go for passive 
it's not a game. It doesn't feel like a game. It feels like a living, breathing world. And that's really um, incredible to see for me. I was very, very impressed by that. So like just even though I haven't beaten it, I have to have it as honorable mention just for that, for taking for having a huge studio who makes crazy money make a big risk like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool to see. It's very cool to see because if it just didn't work out, GTA 6 isn't coming out anytime soon. You know what I mean? Like they still would have been fine, but they have a comfort that right now that could have, or no, I say for most companies would have caused them to make a very iterative product and to just kind of do the same thing over and over again. And yeah, they have a lot of elements that make Rockstar game Rockstar games in there still, but it's, it's a risky game. I, I said everything I can't say about it. I'm talking in circles at this point, but, but yeah. Sweet. Sweet. But we'll talk about God of War and I'll share what I really did like about that game. I felt like I just kind of shit on a little bit and I put it in my honorable mentions for game of the year. So I just want to say <laughs> I'm not shitting on it. Um, well, I'll get into why I loved that game. In I'm going to talk about two more games. Oh my God, on. Chad, more games. Dos Mas. Do you do anything besides play <laughs> video games? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not in school. I'm sorry. I did that at a normal age. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next up is Detroit Become Human. This is a game that I don't think enough people played. I didn't play um, it. It is <clears throat> Quantic Dream, who did Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. And this, I think, is something... I, I think this is what they've been wanting to make for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And they finally... The technology is there. Performance capture is there. And their storytelling ability is finally there in a way that they can actually realize what they've been trying to make. And you can see hints of it from uh, inspirations from Heavy Rain. You can see inspiration from Beyond Two Souls. But this game so perfectly weaves together dialogue and interaction from the player. And not only does that to make you feel like you have some agency, but I mentioned when I got to the very end of the game and I was like, man, I got a really great turnout in this game i really enjoyed the ending whether it was positive or negative in terms of what happened to the characters but i got to the ending and i felt really satisfied in what i got and how it played out and i was listening to other reviewers and things like that and they're like eh, the story took some turns i was like i was like man i didn't experience any of those things and it was bad and it's like how different could these things be and then i was listening to spoiler casts and there were entire i'd say maybe 10 20 percent size chunks of the game that I didn't experience completely different locations and different characters that I didn't know existed because in my game I took I chose a different route took a different choice and I don't think that in any other game there's been that much agency that Mm -hmm. was so fluid that I didn't even realize I was missing out and and it's it's something that makes me in heavy rain I never really went back I mean obviously we played it for barf I played it when I had move controls as well but I never went back to say, like, oh, I wonder how radically different something ha- w- would change if I made this choice. Mm-hmm. Sure, somebody might live, somebody might die, but essentially the entire game itself is going to be the same. But to find out that their entire gameplay aspect blew my mind. But I also want to give a shout-out to the performances in this thing, because obviously the guy who played Connor was nominated for Best Performance at the Game Awards. Um, all of the main characters were spectacular, excluding... What's his face? I didn't like the cop guy. Uh, I had, I can't remember his name. Anyway, but Pro- uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a game that's critically underplayed, and I feel <clears> like <throat> because of how different... critically underplayed or criminally underplayed. 
critically like critical levels. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. But also like there. criminals okay. can play it too. Yeah. And criminals should play it because there are things about cops and criminals and riots. So But no, this is a game that I feel like if it comes out it goes on sale, I think a lot of people should pick it up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it is on sale. It's, it's, it's thirty bucks, I think, actually full it's price. Forty bucks. Forty bucks. That's oh, that's right. Three. They just released the whole collection for all three. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I think we should pick it up. Lastly, before you move um, on to that, before we move on to that, yeah, interactive storytelling for a second. Um, yes, I do want to play that because I think I, I like the idea of interactive storytelling, and I'd rather play it in that. I'm just, I'm changing subjects just temporarily for a second. I'd rather play interactive story that way than Black, Black Mirror's Bandersnatch. Oh my god! I am. Did you watch thirty it? minutes into Black or into Bandersnatch stop. right now? Just stop watching. It's, it's bad. It's really bad. Just bad. stop watching it. Just can't I have to finish it. I have to. Don't. It's not worth it. Just slight tangent. There is nothing about that that is Black Mirror at all. It is like the weakest link. That's true too. To the but franchise. so far, I've also been like three times. I've been like. Oh, you made the wrong choice. You want to go back and make a different choice? Oh my like, god. That's yeah. not how that's not how choose your own adventure goes. Yeah. Every choice should be its own thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you fucked up. Go back and choose something else. Yep. Like I at the very beginning, it's like, do you want to accept this contract or refuse the contract? And I'm like, well, it's gonna help his game, so I'm gonna accept it. And then it cuts to the end and it's like, Your game sucked. And <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And then the kid goes for some reason goes, I can do it better next time. As if he knows he's going to be replaying it again. Like, that's supposed to be the Black Mirror thing. Like, oh, he knows that he's going to Groundhog Day it, I guess, and, like, go back again. But, like... Did you finish it? Yeah, I finished it. And it's just... There's nothing... um, I saw a few of the endings. And there's nothing in those endings that was like, oh, this is the weird thing that's happening. It's just, like, implied that you're making the decisions for him. And he doesn't have control over his life. And that's it. What if we find out it's so meta that the episode itself does not have technology, but we are the episode. Well, that is kind of what There are people in real life dying. They kind of, no, they kind of did that. Like there's one ending where it says, um, this is total spoiler, but it's spoiler for a garbage episode of Black Mirror. So (laughs) um, they say like there's one of the endings where um, no matter what in the end, he's talking to someone on the computer and it'd be like, you know, we see what you're doing kind of thing. Um, and one of them is like, who are you? It's like, we're watching you on Netflix. And he's like, what's Netflix? And they're like explaining it to him. And I'm like, oh, this is just so stupid. <laughs> it's so bad. I, it was, it was hugely disappointing. And apparently that delayed season five of Black Mirror coming out. And now I'm pissed. Oh, why? Because they spent a year working on this. I hate that. How did it take them a year to make this? There's no plot to it. The characters are ridiculously paper thin. Like, Colin, the really cool video game programmer guy. Oh, God, yeah. That's all he is. He's just cool video game programmer guy. He's got bleached hair. That's his character. He's got bleached hair. Oh, he smokes and does drugs, too. I don't know if you got to that scene. Drogas, yeah, I did. Did you jump or did he jump? I jumped, and then it told me it was the wrong choice, so I had to go back and make him jump. Yep. So much, <laughs> it was so much fun, right? When you realize you made the wrong choice and had to watch the story again. That was yep. fun. That was awesome. Let's go. Let's talk about good things. What's your last honorable mention? My last honorable mention is, of course, Spider-Man PS4. I'm surprised to hear you say this. <laughs> yeah, right? No, Spider-Man PS4 is the best superhero game of all time. It is better than 
Batman at making you feel like Batman. Like Batman, better than, than Batman wasn't making you feel like Batman. Mm-hmm. This is Spider-Man at his best, making you feel like a superhero. Better than the Infamous games. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, better than the Infamous games. Okay. Uh, the best superhero game of all time. Has an incredible story. Incredible voice acting from everyone. Even J. Jonah Jameson, who's literally only there as like a podcast that you're listening to, or the radio that comes on. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of things that I think hold it back. And I this is more obvious to me now because I just finished playing the DLC, which I feel like I wish they just hadn't made. Um, because I finished the story on such a high. But there are, there are times with different um, challenges where you're like, taking out a base and it's frustrating and you're like, oh God, I can't, how do I beat these guys? Or you're doing these awful challenges chasing drones uh, where you're just like, eh, this is just another task for me to do for another checklist. And if, I mean, it's satisfying how quickly you can check certain items off of your list of completing the city, but there are so much good about it um, from all of the collectibles that you get that all have meaning and that all add to the story of the the game that they're building, the world that they're building the fact that everything feels you jump in and you've been Spider-Man for eight years and you feel like you've been Spider-Man for eight years. Mm-hmm. You're super powerful. You have all of these things. You come. Oh, that's where I beat Mysterio. And this is a shard from his helmet that I've picked up. And, oh, man, I remember when MJ and I had a date over here and man, it did not go well. Like you have mm-hmm. all of this world that's built around you. And I'm not going to spoil anything about the story, but I think it's such a great superhero story. And something that there are so many parts of it that come out of left field. Obviously, the big twists in the game you can see coming and you can see them kind of grooming it mm-hmm. along the way. But there's still so many times on the side when things will surprise you uh, when you're not quite sure where they're going. There are really great bosses and boss battles with fleshed out people. They're, the only thing that I like, I don't recommend playing the DLC. There That's are, a shame. Yeah, it's three episodes, but I feel like they chose the most boring villains for them. Uh, so much of it, is, if you don't, if you do more than just the main quest, so much of it is just more like, oh, just more crimes for you to stop, more screwball challenges for you to do. Mm-hmm. Although there was in this last DLC one really interesting side quest that I think feel like was probably the mo- the most interesting thing of all the DLC, including the main quest stuff. That at the end of it, I'm like, whoa, I can't wait to see how that plays out in Spider Man Two. Like, I'm not going to spoil anything about it, but that side quest is better than everything else in all the DLC. But anyway, it's an amazing game. Obviously the best superhero game of all time. That is one that I I look back at 2018 and regret not playing it, honestly. Really? Yeah, I do a little bit. All that shit where you're like, I'm not going to play Spider-Man. It's it's you, it's it's everybody at work, everyone talks about how fucking incredible that game is. So many people are upset that it got shafted at the Game Awards for like everything. Um, I sh- that's feel sad. like I should it, give it a chance. Legit, it's a game that two years ago would have won Game of the Year. Mm-hmm. But because 2017 and 2018 are just full of nonstop hits, like in a game where God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2 come out, which are both like 10 out of 10 perfect games, mm-hmm. I, I think Spider-Man honestly is still like 9.7 mm-hmm. out of 10. Yeah. But it's just like, how can you fight? How can you fight God of War? How yeah. can you fight Red Dead? How can you fight Hollow Knight? How could it's just Spider-Man... like Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn, 10 out of 10, but going up against... What do they go up against? Zelda, Mario. Zelda Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, the best Mario game of all time. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? It's a shame. 
Yeah. Oh, and PUBG. Um, well, I think it's PUBG as well. Oh, that's right. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. I still can't believe that PUBG got. I just remembered this. PUBG got nominated for Game of the Year. That, that game is hysterical. Was, that game was the shit. That game that was, was the topic of conversation everywhere year. for like a good six months. Remember when Microsoft announced that exclusivity and you were like, oh shit, that's a game changer. Yeah. No, nobody could give a fuck. Yeah, it no just came cares. out on PS4 and nobody realized it. <laughs> Look, but seriously, it felt like as soon as it got nightmare for the game of the year and didn't win, it was like, all right, Fortnite, everyone. Let's just stop paying attention <laughs> to PUBG. It wasn't as good as we all thought it was. Um, cool. Do you want to get into some game on game show? Yeah, so that, uh, yes. Oh, yeah, game on game show before we do bar. So that's our game of the year. God of War, Red, not Red, Dead, Hollow Knight. Uh, is our <laughs> Respawn Aimfire game of the year. Should we have one for... Like both of us? The whole of... Yeah. Great. I've decided it's God of War. Great. <laughs> I decided it's Hollow Knight, so I've got to decide to agree on Perfect. that. It's so great. I'm glad we don't fight on this podcast, and my opinion matters because of seniority. <laughs> um, Where did I put this? Oh, so our game on game show this year is game of the year trivia focused. Ooh. Um, so we're putting it right here in the middle so that it makes sense. There is no obvious, like, consensus across all media outlets for what Game of the Year is. So I'm going to ask you a a series of questions and see uh, what your answers will be based on the Game Awards Game of the Year winners. Now, this includes going back whenever they were called Spike Video Game Awards. Yeah. So this is from 2003 to 2018. Games that have been called Game of the Year. By this outlet. Okay. All headed by Jeff Keighley. Question number one. Of these 16 games, which publisher do you think has the most Game of the Year awards? Okay. So think of, uh, out of all the publishers you can think of. Who has the most? Which publisher, you know, there's uh, out there, there's a ton of publishers. Which one do you think has the most Game of the Year awards? Well, it's between 2003 and now, so it's not going to be like Nintendo because it's really only been in the past few years, I think, that they've been up there. But now that you just looked away when I said that, now I think it is I'm, Nintendo. I'm, I'm looking at my uh, oh, okay. at my phone. Um, God, this is honestly kind of like an impossible question. So like, here's the thing. like, This is just spitballing. I'm not saying this yep. is an answer, right? Take Blizzard, right? Right. Blizzard's owned by Activision. So if a Blizzard game wins, then Activision also kind of won too. It would, uh, they are together Activision Blizzard. So you would just count that Activision Blizzard, okay. Yeah. I, I'm just going to guess randomly because I, okay. I really don't know. I, I'm Go I'm, for it. Yeah, this is impossible. I don't know. <laughs> I'll just say Activision because I really have no idea. I know it's not Activision. So I'm not really answering that, but I'm just saying that to think have about, an answer. Think about the most imp- the most impressive games over the last like ten years, the best selling games over the last like ten years, the company that has the most money over like the last ten years, the makers of like all the Grand Theft Autos. Oh, so like, <laughs> you just, just Rockstar? It's Rockstar. Yeah, is it, it really is Rockstar? Rockstar? They have four games. They have GTA 4, yeah. GTA 5. See, GTA... I wasn't thinking Rockstar because they don't release games that often. I guess, though, back in 2003, they were, like, every year had a game. 
So they had uh, yeah. in 2004, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas won. Yeah. In uh, 2008, Grand Theft Auto 4 won. In 2013, Grand Theft Auto 5 won. And 2010, Red Dead Redemption won. So there were a few years separating each one. Interesting. Interesting. That was a great hint you gave me. From the makers <laughs> of Grand Theft Auto. Okay. Can you guess either of these two games? Yeah. They won in 2007 and 2016. And they are the only first-person shooters to ever win Game of the Year. 2007 and what was it? 2016. And this is the same franchise? No, they're different games. You can guess either one or both if you can. Well, 2016 about those two years. 2016 was Overwatch. Shooters. Overwatch is one of them, yes. Yeah, 2016 is Overwatch. 2007. It's the only other first-person shooter game to ever win. The only first-person shooter I can think of that came out in 2007 was Halo 3. That absolutely did not win. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that would have won. Um, but like Resistance, that was a really good first-person shooter. That came out in 2006, though. That was no, that no, that was 2006. That was that was a launch for PS3. 2007. Half-Life Two, Episode Two. I don't know. <laughs> um, it is a game that has been one of our barfs. Oh, Bioshock came out in 2007. Bioshock, yes. Okay. Came out in 2007. It's also the only first-person shooter. No, it's not the only first-person shooter done in Far... We also did Far Cry 4, but that wasn't going to win in 2007. We also did uh, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided. That's not a game. <laughs> I refuse to acknowledge It's a boredom simulator. Yeah, it's a boredom simulator. I love, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I met right. someone at work, and they were like... Uh, uh, it was this, this older woman. She was probably like in her 40s or 50s older quote-unquote older older than me is what i'm saying <laughs> and uh, and um she said that one of her favorite games is deus ex mankind divided and i was just like oh really <laughs> i was just surprised there's a floor that that's someone's favorite game and yep. that i don't know just wouldn't really pegged it like she's just, like the short like pixie cut that was like you know graying and she's like i love mankind divided i'm just like <laughs> wow that really surprised me <laughs> just not what i i judged you too soon i guess Ladies love Mankind Divided almost That's as true. much as ladies love Cool J. <laughs> All right, number three. Which of these six genres is represented on the Game of the Year list? So only one of these six is not has ever won Game of the Year. Oh, it's, oh, okay, it's won Game of the Year. Okay, puzzle. Wait, horror. Wait, wait. Only one of these has not won. Only one of these has won. Oh, okay, before. okay. Puzzle, horror, platformer, strategy, racing, fighting. Which of those has ever won a Game of the Year award? I'm going to say strategies, no. It's just too niche to, okay. to make it there. Chad's smiling because like, that was the one. And no, I'm just going to watch it. you do process of elimination in your face. Um, yeah, I don't see a puzzle game. But what would count as a puzzle game? Like, Zelda's a puzzle game. But I wouldn't count Breath of the Wild as like a, you know what I mean, like straight up puzzle game. Uh, Breath like, of the Wild was considered action an action adventure game. Okay. <clears throat> hmm. I'm going to go with horror. Horror was correct. Do you know what game it was? Deus Ex Mankind Divided. <laughs> Resident Evil 4. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yeah. All right. You will never get this. Okay. So far, these have been pretty difficult. 
These are good questions. In 2003, yeah. this game won Game of the Year, beating out Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and Le- Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Can you guess the game? 2003. 2003. What game was better than KOTOR and Wind Waker? And you said first-person shooters have only won in 2007 and 2016? Correct. Okay, that narrows it down. Because I'm pretty sure Halo 2 came out in 2003. No, that's 2004. Huh. How notable is this game? Is it still a game that people talk about today? This franchise is still talked about today. This franchise still makes a lot of money. Okay, that's good to know. This is game this itself a first, is not. Is this a first-party franchise? No. Okay. This is really obscure. Um, fuck. Like, what game won Game of the Year when I was 10 years old? That's basically what you're asking me right now. <laughs> It wasn't when my care it wasn't KOTOR. For the life of me, I can't even think of anything else that came out in 2003 right now. You, you won't be able to guess it. Then why did you ask the question? <laughs> because it's so ridiculous that I had to let people know that it happened. Okay, I'm great. Right. Madden NFL 2004. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that beat KOTOR and Zelda Wind Waker. As game of the year oh in 2003. God. I mean, was was there like, was it a big leap for the franchise or something? <laughs> like, what was it? Because those games are, I mean, that's the definition of iterative game. It's the definition right? of an iterative game. My guess is at the time it was Spike TV's video game awards. And they're yeah. just like, man. You like video games? Then you probably love Call of Duty and Madden. And That's true. great. So, I mean, Spike TV is literally the guy's network. It's Lifetime yep. channel, but for guys. <laughs> wow, that's... that's Wow. That was the first year, too. Yep. They never made that mistake again. <laughs> that's hysterical. Well, the next year, 2004, was... Oh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last question. Of the 16 Game of the Years... How many were available to play on Nintendo consoles? Okay. The Madden game probably was. Correct. So that's one. Grand Theft Auto, absolutely not. I don't know 2005, 2006. 2007 <laughs> is Bioshock. All right, well, all right we know... Madden, we know Breath of the Wild. We know God of War can easily be played on the Switch. Easily. 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 Because they um, had Lego God of War. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, do two. I'm, I'm going to say, because I can't, I can't think of, like, I don't know what the game of the years actually were, so I'm just spitballing here. But I'm going to say it's probably four. Four of All them. Right. The answer is three. I was super close. You named two of them. Can you guess the other one? I the other one I had in my head was going to be Mario Galaxy game. Galaxy Mario one Galaxy or two. is not one of the winners. Really? Right. But one game we've already mentioned was a Nintendo was on a Nintendo console, and in fact, 
The creator mentioned if it came to any other consoles, he would cut his head off with a chainsaw. And then it came to every other console. Oh, Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4, yes. Duh, damn it. <laughs> Launched on GameCube. I, I do said. forget, yeah, that was a GameCube exclusive game, but the GameCube didn't sell well, and it was such an amazing game, they just brought it to literally everything. I yep. think Resident Evil 4 might be on more consoles than Skyrim. Easily. Yeah, I don't think I there's think so. any... It's because it's also on mobile. It's but it's not, not on Alexa. Switch. It's not on Switch yet, but it will be this year, I think, right? Did they announce that? Maybe they didn't. Or do you, Is this a prediction? That up. No. No? No, this is just insider information. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Great. I can't, I can't believe NFL 2004. I mean, it makes sense. Those games are classics. <laughs> Classic game. All right, that brings I mean, it us is, into... To be fair, it is a staple of the game industry, sports games. It, yeah. It absolutely is a yeah. staple of the game industry. And in August, every year, it is top charts of the NPD. Mm-hmm. Sells the most. Yep. Chad? That brings us to Barf, sir. Yeah. We are going to get heavy into spoilers for both God of War and Hollow Knight. I'm going to give you guys like 30 seconds here. If you haven't played either of those <clears> and you don't want to be spoiled... First of all, you should play absolutely play both of them, and you should absolutely play both of them unspoiled. Um, you can look in our time codes here for when we jump to the end to find out who wins money, and find out our predictions for 2019, where we took, where we kind of came out on our 2018 predictions, and uh, who you should be thanking this month for our thanks for creating. Mm-hmm. All right, it has been 30 seconds. We are now going to start our discussion. Holden, I want you to begin. Let's start with God of War. Cool. Um, I think I've talked a lot about already the mechanics of the game and just how it is rock solid. The most solid mechanics. There's nothing wrong with how that game plays at all. It never drops a frame and there's anything. It just plays between the whole time. I want to know the story of the game. I think we've gone over the mechanics over the past few weeks already. Um, I have goosebumps right now. Just because I'm, I'm thinking about finally talking about the Blades of Chaos, and I already have goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I want to start off. Um, the Blades of Chaos, when you get those, that is one of the coolest moments in gaming. It's so brilliantly set up. Oh, my God. Here's why it's amazing. First of all, you so when you're going up to the house, the sky is, like, all red. You have to go back to your house to get the Blades of Chaos. You can go to Helheim and use the flame ability, basically, of the Blades of Chaos to fight the kind of... I, they look like the, the White Walkers from... Game of Thrones that these enemies yeah. like. They look just like them. Um, the, the drag or dra- dragar? No, drog. The dragar. Drog. Dragar. That, that I didn't think they were dragar. I thought those like the fiery guys. Or are they both just variations of dragar? I don't remember. It's been but, five months since I played it. Six it months, doesn't. Seven months. It, it doesn't like matter. But it's brilliant because when you get there, you can't use your axe. You have to use your hands to fight these guys because your axe is ice. You can't fight ice with ice. It's possible. So you have to use your hands. So it's like the combat's really hard when you're fighting them initially because you have to beat them to a pulp with your hands. And then when you get in the house, you get the Blades of Chaos that are fighting all those guys. It felt like it just took forever. It was like really daunting mm-hmm. to fight those guys. And you get the Blades of Chaos and you just walk out of the house and just unleash them. And then these guys are like disintegrating instantly and because of that juxtaposition of these guys 30 seconds ago were really annoying to fight and now they're just crumbling at the sight of me made just makes you feel so badass when playing that game it's such a beautifully set up moment it's a yeah it's so incredible how well that moment is done um and the journey to get there like yeah they're, they're like 
I, I don't know how we're going to find a weapon that can do this. And he goes, I know of such a weapon. And he says it with such shame and guilt and regret. And he's like, fuck. Yeah. And then you're like, oh my God, what is he talking about? And then the sky turns red and you're moving slowly and you're in the boat. And it's like, where's, we're going back home. Why are we going? What's it? Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. I totally forgot about the Blades of Chaos. Are we going to get the Blades of Chaos? Is this going to happen? And it did. And I was like, oh my god, this is the coolest. This, that's when I decided it was the coolest game of all time. So I think because, that I think the moment had more impact for you because you've played all the other God of War games. Yeah. I've never really cared for the franchise that much. So like going into it, I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm getting the Blades of Chaos. Like It wasn't that for me. It was just the moment of how much more powerful they were. And just even like, and I think it proves how amazing that moment is if that even if I don't really like the franchise that much, I don't really get the mythology behind the Blades of Chaos as much as you do. It was still an impactful moment. It was still a standout moment. Like, that could have just been like a Easter egg thing for fans to be excited about, and no one else would have really cared as much. And it wasn't that. It was a poignant moment in the story for everybody. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and it came at a perfect time, like gameplay mechanics wise i because I, I, I have a feeling you probably ended up around the same spot where i like at that point in time in the game i'm like well i've spent all my experience on all my skills i've pretty much leveled up my axe as far as it can go i'm like i must be close to the end of the game what do i do with all this experience and then you get these brand new shiny weapons you're like fuck i've got a lot more stuff to unlock <laughs> i barely unlocked things in blades of chaos honestly i don't know do why I unlocked everything for the axe, just like you said. And then yeah. for some reason, I just didn't do that as much for the Blades of Chaos. I don't know why. Like, looking back... I just I'm unlocked like, it because I had the experience. Did you finish the game? First of all, did you finish the game? I did finish the game. Yes. Okay. We will talk so about the final scene. don't have to sing. We don't have to do Holden's Lullaby. <laughs> uh, second of all, did you finish the game with pretty much everything powered up? No. You didn't have so, enough experience, or you just didn't care to. The, we're going to talk about the in-game economy in a little bit, and we'll talk. Okay. I, we it sounds like we very much disagree on that because you said it was a really good economy, and I didn't understand it at all. Okay. Um. So I kind of missed out on that a little bit, but um, I also didn't get to like, um, we'll say savor the game over as much as I would have liked to have. Sure. So I didn't get to delve into those systems as much. Actually, we'll just jump into that right now. So. At, like I don't want to say like today when I was finishing the game, and who's the the head who's who's the head guy again? What's his name? The head guy. Yeah, he's the head on your. Do you carry with you? Oh, Mamir. Mamir, right? When Mimir... I thought you were talking about Corey Barlog, and I was like, Oh, the, the director of the game. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, the the literal head that you're carrying with you everywhere. Um, when Mamir, when you're about to go off into the snake and go into the um inside the snake, yeah. the, the world serpent. And he's Mimir says you should probably, you know, uh, go to the blacksmith now and upgrade everything that you possibly can. And I go there, and there's I'm only level four. I finished the the game as level four. I don't know if that's. I feel like I was like eight or nine when I finished. Yeah, I was level four when I finished. Damn. Yeah. Did I... you do any of Niflheim? No, I didn't do any of that. Yeah, I actually just what? yeah. So when I beat the game i had just got probably good though if you if you started niflheim you would have not finished the game is it really big it's not that it's really big it's so niflheim did you go to it at all no it's uh i just got access to it towards the very end of the game yeah it's it's a realm that you go to and there's a poison mist in it 
Okay. And you can only survive in the mist a certain amount. It's like you have a, a bar at the top. If the bar reaches zero, okay. uh, then you die and go back to the beginning. But it has like a risk-reward thing like Dark Souls, mm-hmm. where while you're going, you're fighting all of this stuff and opening chests, gaining orbs. Mm-hmm. And the more orbs you get, if you bring it back outside of the mist, you can spend it on high-end armor. You can spend it on opening chests and getting really great runes and stuff like that oh, for your okay. stuff. Um, so... The longer you stay in the maze, the more shit you can get, but also the harder that's really hard enemies in there as well. In mm-hmm. fact, there's even a Valkyrie in the maze itself. I fought one Valkyrie. Holy shit, they're they're hard. The Valkyries are tough. Really tough. Yeah. But so, that Niflheim is, is addicting. It's like okay. you go in there and you're like, I'm gonna get like maybe three rooms in the maze and come back and like I could do four. I could do four rooms. You go back in and you do four rooms like, oh, God, I died. Damn it. And so it's it's something that <laughs> yeah. becomes very addicting. I spent a good, like, 12 hours just doing Niflheim. Oh, holy shit. Okay. Yeah, so I, I missed that completely. There's two realms I didn't go to. You have access to two additional realms outside the main story. The other one is, like, the uh, – uh, shit, I forget the name of it. But it's the it's the challenge one. In God of War, there's always, like, a challenge room thing where it's, like, beat mm-hmm. five guys without getting hit. Oh, okay. Beat these three things using only this weapon, the things like that, and okay. then at the end of it, you find another Valkyrie too. Gotcha. Um, anyway, so the in-game economy. So I, Mimir says, upgrade all your stuff, get all the best weapon uh, weapons you can before you go off. Kind of hinting like that you're getting to the end game, like you want to do this right now. So I go there and I'm like, there's all this armor that I can't get that I because I don't have the resources. But it's not like did you I, get from Niflheim, yeah. Did you get from Niflheim? And I didn't go to Niflheim, so I missed out on all of that stuff. And it like there is is there no way of getting any of those resources throughout the main game? That's I don't know. No. That that's kind of a problem, I think. Because like at that point, I felt like I had missed something really huge, and I just didn't understand. There was nothing saying, "Hey, you should go to Nilfheim," or like encourage. There's like in the game that was encouraging me to go to Nilfheim to get in those resources. I agree with that, yeah. Um, and knowing hearing that now, I'm like, oh man, I actually probably would have enjoyed that system way more because I just kind of thought, wow, this economy kind of sucks. Um, like I don't, I can't get anything. <laughs> this is the most, is this a statement on inequality in America? Like, what is this? <laughs> what is this about? Um, but it, it uh, to be clear though, it did not deter me from, it did not deter the experience anyway, though. I still, because the combat is so good, the moment to moment is still so good. It's kind of like, oh, I can't find anything. Okay. I'm gonna go smash someone's face in. Like, it's like, okay. <laughs> um, but I do want to talk about Helheim. Helheim yeah. is probably one of my favorite locations in that game, but also probably favorite like areas of a game in 2018. I fucking loved Helheim because you get there and you see that really creepy bird across the bridge that you can't return back from. So they set mm-hmm. this in your mind of once you cross a bridge, you can't go over. But now I'm thinking as a as a player, but I want to see that bird. <laughs> I want to go over there. And then Zeus talks to you right before you leave. Um, so I'm like, oh no, we're going back to Helheim. Like, this is not over. Like, I kind of like figured, like, they planted that seed, we're going to go back again. When you go back to Helheim, when you're on that boat, it's like flying in the air, you're dealing with the Zeus conflict, you can see the big bird, you're right next to the big bird now. Like, that was really cool, just um, structure, I, I would say. I really like that, because I wanted to see that. Um, in the in the beginning of the game, when I saw I about half of the game, when I saw that stuff, I'm like, I want to go to the bird, I want to see all that stuff, I want to see more of Helheim, and they totally delivered on that in the last part for me. Really, really loved Helheim. That was an awesome, awesome location. Also, just 
the aesthetic of all these souls walking through the door and like disappearing and just like it was it felt when I was playing other God of War games, I always got the sense of, oh, this just takes place in Greece. But, like, this I actually felt like I was partaking in Norse mythology in a way that I didn't feel like I was partaking in Greek mythology with God of War. Again, I don't like the God of War franchise that much. That might be why I feel that way. But I just feel like this time they executed the North mythology in the story and in the world a lot better than they had in the previous God of War games of the Greek mythology. I'm not sure how you feel about that. Um, but I felt like they did a great job in intertwining the Norse mythology. I also thought that the locations were far more interesting and far cooler. Oh, they so much are. Every location was so amazing. And I said this very poorly when we started off, but even the small rooms feel really epic. Like, even just a room, like, there's a uh, the room you go into when you're going between the realms to get to, to, um, to oh, like, yeah. realign the bridge or something like that. It's literally just an empty room that you're in. There's nothing in the room at all. It has some windows that open up, and that's it. It feels epic and awesome. Yep. It was and like it's it's a, it is a blank empty room. There's nothing in the room. It's descriptionless for the most part, but it's still epic. So it's not descriptionless. <laughs> it's uh, I know I was just really really blown away by the the locations, the aesthetics of of everything. That's why yeah. I blew up your PlayStation messages with screenshots. Yeah, I can see why. I like the what. first time I walk into Alfheim and you see all of the gorgeous red trees yes. and the, uh, the light and the, yep. oh my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. And so speaking of Alfheim, Alfheim um, I, Tangent's going to bring us right back into that again. So yeah. it's all relevant. You told me to play in immersive mode and thank God you told me to play in immersive mode because yes! it's God, yes. so, it's so actually what really reminded me a lot of playing, like if Hellblade, they said, oh, this is a double A game. This is like what Hellblade would have been if it were a triple A game. Okay, yeah, that's I kinda, see that. I kind of that's how I see it. Like the you combat, the voices calling up behind you versus kids saying "Dad" behind you. Exactly. Okay. There's all that kind of stuff. It's the Norse mythology is um, mm-hmm. is very similar. Some of the locations um, have a similar kind of feel in the sense of uh, like the forest areas kind of feel a little similar. Um, like the area around home, uh, indoor home. I guess what I'm saying feels similar to the opening areas of, of Hellblade, yeah. um, and. On top of that, the immersion when you're fighting enemies, it becomes so much more engrossing because it's no longer about bringing down a health bar. It's about surviving as long as you possibly can. You don't know how much health you have. You don't know how much health they have. You can kind of see, like, with certain enemies, like, your Blades of Chaos are charring them, so you can kind of get an idea of, like, how much damage you've done to them, but that will dissipate after a while. Um... It's so engrossing. Like the, I don't honestly know why they had the option for a HUD at all. Like it's just so clearly better without the HUD. That said, when navigating to story points without the HUD, if you miss something that they say, you might not know where to go. So later on in the game, when I'm trying to go between the realms, I totally missed the fact that I was supposed to go to one of the portals and then choose go to between the realms. I'm like, oh yeah. So I'm like in the tree area, and I'm like. I'm in the room with the with the the uh, what is it the world tree, yeah. And I'm like, where do I go? And I'm like, well, it says I can go to the realm Alfheim, so I guess I'll go to Alfheim if that's what I'm. I think I'm supposed to do. And I get there, and again, like it's all beautiful and all that kind of stuff. But again, an example of how polished the game is and how amazing the game is. You don't even have Mimir when you go to Alfheim the first time, but when you go there. Mimir is telling you about the Dark Elves and the Light Elves and, you know, him and Atreus are, are talking about 
the world of Alf um, of Alfheim, even though they didn't, they they could have totally skipped over that and not done anything. Nobody would have noticed that Mimir doesn't say anything about Alfheim when you go to Alfheim, even because he's he's not there in the story usually when you go to Alfheim. But for me, when I randomly decided to go back there because an idiot and went the wrong way, it made me. It did, and I'm gonna say this is a bad thing. It made me feel like I was progressing the right way and going somewhere I was supposed to be going because of the dialogue and the care they put into it. There's probably side mission stuff in Alfheim, I'm assuming, that I can go back and do. There are a couple of things in there, yeah. That's probably why that dialogue is there, but just amazing attention to detail is included yeah. in that. Um, that was cool. And I think that whole... Mimir, his dialogue... And even he's just hilarious. Before you get Mimir, the, yeah, he's hysterical, but um, one of the things that always comes up in any interview that I listen to with Corey Barlog in it is the... The fact that I did this all the time, the fact that he found he was frustrated by playtesters and he found they were in the boat and they get to the dock and they didn't get out of the boat. And he always was frustrated. He's like, God, our boat system keeps our dock system keeps breaking and they can't get out of the boat. And then he finds out, no, they're just listening to the story. They want to finish the story because if they get out of the boat, they'll know they stop talking. But I think it's still brilliant how he'll stop talking. And then as soon as you get back in the boat later, like, hey, where were we again in that story about blah, blah, blah? Like, oh, yeah, let me pick back up. Right. Mm hmm. That was so perfect. And he talked about the boat's scenes being uh, both a device to like slow down the pace a little bit, to give you a little bit of change of pace from all of mm-hmm. this heavy action and then finally slow things down. Yeah. Put in some story in there. He had mentioned how they wa- how initially he wanted to have boat combat where you could like shoot arrows and stuff like that from it and very quickly turned out to be a terrible idea. <laughs> but how the idea of the boat came around is because uh, – he wanted them he wanted you to be able to swim you can swim in all the God of War games mm-hmm. but the designers came up and said there is absolutely no way we're ever going to be able to get Atreus his AI to work in that 3D swimming space absolutely not going to happen I, I have no idea what we're going to do and like okay uh, why wouldn't it work I'm... well uh, two, like all of the the way his AI works all over the 2D space I guess putting a third dimension in there oh, okay. of verticality with the water would completely destroy it but anyway, okay. so they put the boat in instead. But I, I feel like the stories were so interesting. The relationships, that's where you build a lot of the relationship is through Atreus asking his dad, hey, dad, tell me a story. And the dad tells him very poorly the tortoise and the hare story. And Atreus <laughs> goes, dad, you don't tell a lot of stories, do you? You're not very good at this. <laughs> you learn so much about those characters in those moments. I, mm-hmm. I fucking loved just listening. Just, I would just ride around on the boat. Picking up the mm-hmm. uh, Aegis gold all over the place, just listening to Mimir talk, yeah. and that's actually it. Yeah. Listening to that stuff also made me a shit ton more interested in Norse mythology than I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah, Thor's cool from the Marvel movies, and I guess Loki's cool, but I don't really give a shit about any of it. But now playing this, I'm like, oh shit, that part did bug me. More. Which part? The whole like Loki thing. It's like, does everything have to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe nowadays? I would just like, it's just <laughs> right. too much. They totally stole that from Marvel. <laughs> Atreus, his character came straight from Marvel. It's straight from Marvel. And Thor, they talked about Thor. I'm like, guys, come on. I get it. <laughs> Kratos is going to be in Avengers Endgame. I get it, okay? He's going to fight <laughs> Thanos. I think what, uh, kind of changing past a little bit, well, I guess sticking with the characters and stories and stuff like that, I think what this game sets itself up with that that lets it be so good is just the general story not being anything life or death. Yeah. 
It's it literally is. let's spread mom's ashes. Yeah, that, mom that's died the and whole this story. Is her last wish. She I will wants say, to go spread her ashes, and, and so it makes all of these things that you're doing being sidetracked over to a quest. It's not like you know in your normal open world where it's like go save Princess Zelda or Calamity Ganon's going to destroy the entire world. Oh. But there's a Korok seed over here. I'm just going to go pick up this boulder and throw an apple in a basket. Mm-hmm. Like, no, all of this stuff is like, yeah, I can do all of this stuff because it's all going to help me on my way to this thing that's not dire and urgent. Yeah, the ashes are still dead. They'll, yeah, they'll she's st- going to be dead at the end of the day no matter what. Yeah, uh, It was ridiculous. So this is something that I had a hard time understanding why those guys didn't want Kratos in our, in our trays to go to Jotun, uh, uh, Jot, um, Jotunheim. Jotunheim, that's right, Jotunheim. Yeah. And then the last scene, they kind of explained it. Yeah, it's something that will definitely pay off in God of War too. I I think so. Yeah. Um. It was a long time to wait though to find out the motivations of the villains. Spoiler alert: after you've killed them. What I love though is that they're not really. I mean, they're they're kind of villains, but they're. It's not like they're they're an antagonist. A, it's an antagonist. Yeah, they're it's an antagonist. I think yeah. that's a better a better word for it. Yeah. But yeah, learning their. I I love. I loved you're just in your house one day you hear a knock on the door and there's just a dude wanting to fight and you're like who the fuck are you why do you want to fight me I have no idea why you're here and then it's just this amazing badass fight mm-hmm. and it's like that's super cool and now I'm really intrigued as to who the fuck he was and why he wants to fight me and I feel like that carried through and and as yeah. you learn more and more like oh he's not telling anybody he's not telling Atreus gotcha they know mm-hmm. he's a god. And then you find mm-hmm. out that, yeah, he just wanted them to, to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Such yeah. a good game. Just took a long time to get. I think they could have gotten... I don't know. I think it would have been cool if they played like they knew that he was a god and Kratos is kind of keeping them away. He already traced away from them for that reason because he's trying to shelter and protect like a trace. Like that. I don't know. I felt like it was... That was the only issue I really had with the story was understanding the motivations of the, of the villain or the antagonist. Um, but it culminates well, like the whole sequence of Freya and um, oh Baldor, yeah, the like, ending with Luna Freya, and she's like, that was great. Like it, having that that transition of Freya's been your ally the whole game, and now she's clearly going to be the enemy for the next game. Yeah, um, that's very very cool, and a good tease as well for God of War Two is. All of the realms that you see in the wheel, you don't get to go that to. That you can't go to, yes. Yeah. Like, Odin won't let you go there. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to, like, see what Odin's going to... Because we're going to... I'm assuming we'll see Odin and that kind of stuff in future games. Yeah, the fact that we never see Odin, we never see Thor. Yeah. It's just like... There's, there's so more much coming. to this world. There's yeah. so much to this mythology that we I can't fucking wait to dig into. Yeah, so I'm super pumped for God of War 2, and I never thought I would say that. <laughs> Yep. Are they going to call it God of War 2, though? Like, would they do that? No clue. I have no idea, but we'll find out. We will. There are a couple other things I want to talk about. Um, so all of these things have caught, of course, great gameplay, great story, and things like that, but I think what was really the the task that they undertook on this game that was almost unsurmountable, insurmountable, was turning Kratos into someone that you care about. Yes, absolutely. Totally. And... Whether you know him from the games and you've played them all like me, or whether you're just like from the well, outside, be like that guy sucks. I mean, he's a god, but he has human vulnerabilities. Yeah, and you you literally just see like vulnerabilities because he gets hurt in the other games. Mm-hmm. But in this one, you're like, oh, he has emotional vulnerabilities. Yeah, he's a dad. He's trying to choose 
what do what do I hide from my son? How do I make myself appear best yeah, well, and teach him? There's that line at the end of the the game. Like I would, uh, he tells us, Trius, I would let you kill me if it meant you surviving. Yep. Like that was, you know, that was a big moment. That was yep. Just seeing him as a father, seeing as someone who cares for to people in his life. And also the remorse for his past actions. Again, like I didn't oh, play yeah. the, the previous games, but like I didn't have to under- to see his remorse to understand his remorse. And that, that was really good, actually. They didn't say, well, it's because I killed my family or whatever. He killed his family, right? Well, he killed his family, which is what started it all. And then he murdered every single Greek god known to man. Yeah. Um, they didn't need to tell us that's what it was that he has regret over. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. could just see it on him. You could see it in the subtlety of his fucking face. <laughs> oh my god, what a great performance. Yes, Christopher um, Judge, right? Yes. Boy. God, what a good game. Um <laughs> I think that it really Oh god, there's so many there's so many times when that vulnerability comes out. One of my favorite uh like mechanics or aspects of the game is that Kratos can't read. And you yeah. see this all the time with like uh people who are second generation immigrants Mm -hmm. and you know they come into a store or they go to a restaurant and they're like the parents are asking the kid like hey uh translate this person for me or tell them hey uh Mm -hmm. phone's broken whatever it is and you see him do that be like hey atreus i need you to read these runes for me what do they say Mm -hmm. or you find a document and atreus is reading through it and that i think is it shows kratos's vulnerability really really well i love the um there's the part in the game where you enter the light and everything goes black and white and you see Atreus and you see all of these things uh, where you have this vision where he's talking to his mom's corpse and he's saying, that like, dad doesn't even like me, but I'm going to keep following him anyway. And you see that, like, these are Kratos' thoughts in his head. Mm-hmm. That you see that he has doubt and he, and he feels self-conscious about the way his son might view him. And then his son pulls him out of the light and you find out that he's been fighting off all of these bad guys forever and, like, a fucking badass. Um... So I love those little moments that we get a little glimpse inside of Kratos' psyche a little bit. But it's the 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 tools that they used and the storytelling. Hold on, this is just such a good game. I'm so glad I finally made you play it. I'm, <laughs> I'm so really glad that glad. I played it. This is definitely a surprising game for me just because I didn't expect to like it nearly as much as I did. I yep. would have never thought. I, I always knew it was a well-made game. I never thought I'd, I'd have it in an honorable mention for the year. I really yeah. didn't. So. Oh my god! And also the fact that in previous games you had you have this like Spartan rage that goes on whenever you just get really angry and you build up enough fury and you can fucking yeah. pound guys. And this time it only pops up whenever your son's in danger. Mm-hmm. Fucking great! But you fucking can activate it at any point though, great. as long as you have built up your meter. Yeah, oh. but whenever your son's in danger, that's whenever you're like, ah, fucking hulks out. That's cool. Fucking great. <clears throat> Good game. Yeah. Good game. I could talk forever about this game. I think we're I think we can wrap up this discussion though. Yeah. Are you ready to shit all over Hollow Knight now? Let's take a big old dump on Hollow Knight. <laughs> no. Uh so we're transitioning now to Hollow Knight. Take if you don't want spoilers about Hollow Knight, but you did want about God of War, take the next ten seconds to fucking pause it, fast forward, do whatever you need to do, look at the time codes. And now we're moving on to Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight. <laughs> For PC, Nintendo Switch. It hasn't come to anything else yet, right? Xbox and PS4. Is it on Xbox and PS4 mm-hmm. now? Yep. It's the Void Heart Edition. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, what a charming 
fucking difficult game. <laughs> Charming and difficult, yeah. I think Charming that's... and difficult. <laughs> this is a year that I discovered that I really love Metroidvania games. Mm-hmm. We played Super Metroid. Was that this year? No, it was wasn't. It was last year. Was it last fall? Yeah. Anyway, I played, we played Castlevania Night. Uh, we played Night. Castlevania Symphony of the Night, mm-hmm. and now Hollow Knight. And those are you could obviously see the progression of mm-hmm. those three and how they influence each other. Yeah. Um, and I this is of those three my second favorite in the genre. I really loved Symphony of the Night, mm-hmm. but Hollow Knight I feel like is. Kind of like the emo cool kid of all of these. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a game that I had so much fun playing. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I had somewhere to go and something to do. Yes. Whether it was Definitely the main true. path or mm-hmm. something else. And I'm like, you're never really stuck in the game. You could just always go yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. Exactly. If, if I was ever like, I don't know where to go next, but I know that I remember there was a spot over here that I haven't explored yet. Or I know that if I can upgrade my sword because of this, or, ooh, there's a, uh, I forget what they call them, the little medallions that give you skills. Oh, the charms. The charms, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I know I have enough money now to go get a charm from over here, mm-hmm. or I can get this charm and then get this from that and then go upgrade my sword and that will allow me to do this. And It is a game that is so much about that carrot on the stick. Mm-hmm. There's always something like, oh, yeah. I can go back to this place and do this now that I had this power, or I could go over here and do that. And it's something that I one day will definitely go back and try to get maybe 85%. <laughs> well, it's cool. Cause, like, I'm not going to commit to hundred percent. Yeah. I haven't got hundred percent. Um, I'm close to it, but there's 112% in the game now with all the DLC and all that. Oh, that's right. Um, I'm at 54%. I finished the game at 54%. Yeah. But it's cool because there are just so many side things to do that are big did you find the coliseum of fools i didn't i didn't make my way to the, I, i'd heard it was there yeah because of a, a dialogue from other characters but i never actually found it yeah it's like it's basically i know about where it would be based on where i've gone and where i haven't gone yet but mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it's one of those things where you, you go there and um you do you ever meet you met you met zote the mighty zote yes like his story culminates and, and completes there in a really funny way um it's just it's it's essentially a um an arena mode where you go in there and you have three different levels that are increasingly difficult and they're really fucking hard it is so like there's one where you're you're fighting and then all of a sudden the floor turns into nails and you have to just wall jump in order to move around and you're fighting while fighting enemies so you have like like the hornets that are like shooting fireballs at you and you can't touch the ground <laughs> It's, oh man it's so you say things like that and then there's a boss at the end of all that so like after you go through oh, like right. tons and tons and tons tons of enemies and just challenging um a, a very challenging uh um set of enemies coming at you at any given time like one's rolling at you but then one's throwing fire at you so you have to like dodge and a lot and think about a lot of different things then throw the boss at you at the end of all, of all that um but then like in the kind of charmingness of hollow knight one of the bosses you fight for that is is Zote, the guy who kept saying how he's so powerful and and mighty and no one can beat him. He's the best, yet you always save him from being stuck right. somewhere. Like so, you fight him as a boss, and he's the easiest boss in the whole game. He literally just runs around flailing his sword everywhere, and you just jump over him, and hit him, and then you just jump over him and hit him. And it was so funny, like to get to that point. So like, it's definitely worthwhile to like explore and like 
find those little niche areas in the game because they're still like really cool things that happen as a result. Um, which I like. I definitely have to get back to more of it. Yeah, it's definitely a game that's fun to return to and just continue exploring. And that's actually why I haven't um, beaten the final boss. It's like, no, like that's I'm, I still need to do everything in the game. <laughs> I still need to put everything <laughs> before I can do that. There's also a second version of the boss battle that happens if you do something in particular, which I'm halfway yeah. through doing now. Um, but I'm curious if you found one side quest in particular. Which one? The one where you have to travel across the whole map. I don't know. I, f- I feel like I went all over the map. No, so like they specifically say you have to deliver this flower from... You get it on one side of the map, and you have to yeah. go all the way over to Queen's Garden, but the flower is very delicate, and if you get hit at all, you have to start no. over again. <laughs> I did not do that. You can't warp at all. You can't use stag stations at all. You have to walk across the entire map without getting hit. And that includes oh, like us getting hit by a spike while platforming. What's the what's the the reward for that? Um, it was a charm. I can't remember which charm it was. I think no, no, no. It was um, it was a a mask shard. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, keep it going. Like, there's a lot of cool little side quests like that. It's worthwhile to find all the grubs, which are like little worm things. That has a cool little story to come on and edit. I just ranted a lot. I'm sorry. What's your thoughts to the game? I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm like twenty to twenty two, maybe grubs of the however many, what thirty, thirty one. Sounds 32? about right. Yeah. At a certain point, too, you get a charm that just shows you where they are on the map. Gotcha. I have. I have that charm. You do. Okay. Yeah. I let's talk about charms. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool, clever way to do. Rather than like getting in Super Metroid or Castlevania fashion, mm-hmm. where you're just like you get a new skill that allows you to do this. Uh, I mean, there were a couple mm-hmm. functions of that, but this allows you to pick and choose what buffs you want at any given time. Yep. And through most of the game, I'd say probably the first, like, three quarters, maybe four-fifths of the game, I usually stuck with the same ones. Mm-hmm. I stuck with, you know, map exploration is huge in that, yes. so I stuck with the one that showed me mm-hmm. on the map. Uh, I stuck with one that had um, extra... Oh, I had extra invincibility time, I think I used a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But then I got towards the end of the game, and I, as you fight some of these more difficult endgame bosses, you realize, oh, you need to change these things up oh, for yeah. these specific situations. Yeah. And you can get through most of the beginning of the game just fine, even without any charm spot, probably. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, towards the end of the game, you're like, damn, I gotta start flexing these muscles. I gotta start flexing Yeah, like, these. I need to be able to swing my sword faster. I want yep. to be able to not get hit when I'm uh, refueling my health. Because that gets really annoying in certain boss battles where you just need to find a precious second to refill your health. Yes. Like, literally, the difference between refilling, taking a second, and taking, like, eight-tenths of a second yeah. is, like, life and death. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, I think <laughs> what I... What my, but this is what I always did when I got to a boss battle I couldn't do, is I would just load up on health charms. So it would be, like, <laughs> I just had um, way more health, like, uh, shards than I would normally have. But I'd also do it where I couldn't refuel them. I had so many. I used the, the charm where you have so the many. The lifeblood one. The lifeblood, yeah, where you can't refuel it anymore, but you had so many that it was fine. I tended to use that in boss battles where I knew I wouldn't have time to focus anyway. Yeah. So I just did that instead. But also, um, there are like some really clever ones so that the fragile ones where it's like you're gonna be really strong, 
but only until you die. Yeah. I liked that. I I always like those one time use things or like you break them and then you can go get repaired by the ant guy or whatever. Yeah. Um I always I end up saving those. I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to use this right now because mm-hmm. there's probably going to be something I need, and then I never use it. See, so all the fragile ones I never use. I get, I get like that in games a lot, but I think because of like the direness of having to beat some of these bosses because you fought them so many times, you're like, why know what? You're like, <laughs> this is the time to use it because I yeah. have to get past this boss. Like the the five knights you fight in a row, they're like rolling right. around like that one. I just I had to do stuff like that. You're right. That one took me like a full twenty minutes. Shut up! I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm just so good at video games. It's like widely considered one of the hardest bosses in that game, and you're like, eh, whatever. Hey, it was twenty minutes. That's a long time. That was at least like ten or eleven tries. <laughs> um, I think my favorite thing about Hollow Knight is the sense of exploration, and when you're just finding a new area, the excitement oh, yeah. of of burrowing down in there and seeing what it's like. I still remember where, did you ever find the abyss? Um, no, you didn't. Yes. I remember finding the abyss. I don't remember whether I explored it or not, but I remember seeing on my map, the abyss. And I like, it's coming on the screen. I don't remember whether, what do you, what does the abyss look like? It's a giant hole. It's just a giant hole. I saw that it was there and I didn't go in it yet. It's awesome. It's just very cool. It's like it's one of those things where you're going down there and you're like, oh, I shouldn't be here. Like this is yeah. This I was in the middle scary. of doing something else, or I was going to another place, and yeah, I was like, oh, I need to come back to this later, but I never made my way back yet. Yeah, there's nothing. I was the things that I need to do there, I can't do yet because I need to do more things in the um, inside quest and stuff. Yeah, to, ex- to experience everything in the abyss, but it is a cool place to to be for sure. You should check it out. I like the I like the abyss, but it might not be as cool because I kind of stumbled upon it and was like, "Oh, the abyss! Like, what's this?" And I kind of that's why it was fun for me. So being told about it might not be as exciting now when you go there. But damn it, you've spoiled everything. I spoiled everything. I think there's something. No, there's an upgrade for one of your powers down there, so it's worth going. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. What I do love that I feel like the I wanted more of the risk reward. A little bit of Dark Souls, okay. With your with your money, like the oh fucking asses. Yeah, and the, the geo. whole whore of bitches. Yeah, the uh, I just hit my funny bone on the nightstand. Uh the <laughs> geo. There were times where I'm like, oh yeah, I could definitely finally buy this charm or this charm notch, mm-hmm. uh, or upgrade my sword. But more often than not, I found myself like, great, I've got all this geo. I'm gonna put it in the bank. Side note about the bank in a little bit. Um, but I, I wish that like. There were times where I was obviously like, oh, I've got a thousand Geo, but I don't really have anything. I, I could go fight this boss right now. If I lose it, I could get it back. Mm-hmm. So that, I feel like that risk reward, I wish were a little bit more. But... Totally agree with you. Like Dark Souls, even because if after you've bought everything in Hollow Knight, which I have done, yeah, it, it's useless to have Geo. It doesn't do you any good. Really, yeah. Dark Souls at least, yeah, I've beaten the game. I'm still living on my character. I can. St- I need to get a lot of souls to level up, but I can always still level up. There's not a cap yep. to that. It'll become harder to upgrade certain specs after a while, but you can still progress, and you can't do that with the Geo in Hollow yeah. Knight, which makes the charms beneficial, but it also comes with the sacrifice of... Yeah, we get it. Anyway, you were saying. The risk-reward that I did appreciate that was yeah. always terrifying to me was exploring a new area without a map. Yeah. Knowing that, like, 
fuck, if I die right now, I am 20 minutes into the darkness of this area, and I have no idea where I am. I have no idea how to get back to this area. Mm -hmm. I cannot die until I either find the map (laughs) or find a way to get back to a a transit station. Mm -hmm. That that was always the most nerve-wracking thing for me, and I loved being... Whenever I finally saw a sign that pointed to the little transit guy, I was like, thank God, yes! (laughs) Or when you just hear the whistling of the map guy. Yes, when you hear the guy whistling, you're like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. You know what, though? What's that? I don't know if I ever got the power that lets you go through the black stuff. Well... There's a power that like, because yeah. I, I remember I now remember being in the Fog Canyon. There's he's whistling in the area and like I could hear him whistling. He's right on the other side of this like liquid black mm-hmm. thing, and yeah. I couldn't go through it because I, I didn't have a power up. But I never ended up finding that before I beat the game. Yeah, because you don't have to find everything to beat the game. I gotta go fucking buy, not buy. I gotta go fucking play this game some more. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I need to buy a strategy guide. I need to buy a strategy guide. <laughs> I drive a dog Stratus. Speaking of strategy guides. There were quite a few times where I had to go look up stuff on the internet mm-hmm. because just like in true Metroidvania stat, like obscure, uh, it, there's so much obscurity. Yeah. Like you're banking all of your stuff with this bank lady and I have 4,000 <laughs> geo with her. And then I go back one day and she's just gone. Yep. I was like, what? <laughs> where the fuck is all my money? She what ran, just happened? She, she ran just... with it. And then it turns out that she's all the way over there in the fucking City of Light or Queen State, wherever the fuck she was. Queen's Garden. And you had to get a, a key, unlock this door, go to these baths, and she's just hanging out in a bathtub. And even at that point, I wouldn't have known how to get the money back from her, how to talk to her, nothing happened. You have to fucking just attack her over and over until she drops all of your money. <laughs> you have to sit there and attack her for like five minutes straight. So that kind of shit, like, all my money's just gone. What the fuck just happened? I my I was just like that sinking feeling in your heart. You're like, I was gonna go buy a charm. It was so, not anymore. As yeah, it, it, that moment is kind of frustrating, but it's also kind of funny too. When my brother, I got um, I got holiday for my brother for his birthday, and um, <laughs> he said, "Oh, I feel so much better now because if I lose Geo, I just been saving at this bank. It's been really helpful." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yeah, you keep doing that, bud." Yep. <laughs> Which is yep. kind of funny. It is kind of a cruel game in that way. But the definitely. world is definitely, in the game, is a cruel, dark world. Yep. Yeah. But still charming and cute at the same time. Right? Yeah. So cute. Yeah. All of the enemies, like, even even you get into things like the, the spider area, I forget the name of it. Deep Nest? Um, Deep Nest, yeah, yeah. Where you, like, even the spiders are cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Except for the ones that hatch out of the body. Like, you're still like, oh, I don't want to go deeper because oh, yeah, this is a terrifying. scary area. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Like, especially the, the sounds, the sound design of the Deep Nest. Yes. Is fucking terrifying. Yep. I played that game a lot with headphones in. Yep, me too. That's a great game for headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I definitely keep, like, playing and exploring because there's just, there's yeah. a lot to see. I, lot I haven't see. figured out what hot springs are for yet. So I got to figure out what those are for. Oh, you just, they just refill your health. That's it? That's it, yeah. Oh, I guess I've always been at full health. Well, yeah. why do some of them have benches right beside them then? Just by chance, just coincidence. And they're like marked on your map. There's got to be something more to the hot springs. It just refills your health and your soul. 
I don't know about that. That's all. Uh, okay, maybe I'm missing something. But I'm pretty sure that's all they're used well, for. Well, you're not 112% done with the game yet. <laughs> that is so true. You might but be missing I'm something too. Definitely. I'm at close to 100, so I've done double more. Double the amount of content. Double more. Double more. That was a great phrasing of that. Double, double the more. Pleasure, double the fun. Yeah, I had a great time with it. I um, absolutely, obviously recommend it. Mm-hmm. It should have been on my recommendations list. I just didn't put it on there because I figured you were going to talk about it anyway. Oh, honorable uh, mentions. Not my my uh, honorable mentions, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Well, cool. That is... What a fucking great year for games. Great year for games, yeah. I want to play Hollow Knight again already. I want to do it again. I I legit am looking at the time like, can I start God of War again today? Can I start a new game plus <laughs> for God of War tonight? Oh, one thing I've got to war really quickly. This isn't a spoiler. A very clever way of doing the end credits. Oh, yeah. It just happens yeah. over the game as you're kind of playing yep. the last segment While of the you're game. you're walking back and talking to your son. Yep. yep. And then after that, it just says, hey, you can keep playing the game. Like, right now. Yep. <laughs> and there's no true to the whole, it never breaks the camera. Right? How did we not talk about that yet? Yeah. Um, the one take of the entire fucking game. There is a little cheat, though. Like what? The cheats when you go through um, the portals, like the warp portals, oh, it does yeah. flash and it does break. There's a cut in the camera at that point. Yeah, well, fuck you. I mean, so. I te- technically speaking, I know how they do it. There's not a cut in the camera. They just probably flash something white in front of the camera and still yeah. have it follow up behind Kratos. And then use that flash of white to load in the new scene. So it's still a continuous camera. But it's clever, very clever stuff, yeah. But Chad? Yeah. 2018 had some... Great games. How great were our predictions for 2018? Okay, we are done with spoilers for everything right now. We're going to talk about our predictions. Last year's and this year's. I'm excited about this part. I spent a lot of time on my predictions, and I feel very, very confident in all of them. Are we talking about 2018 predictions or 2019 predictions Uh, 2018 predictions first. Um, I'm confident about my 2019 predictions. I was not that great with my 2018 predictions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> going back to look at those did not turn out that well i think i only had five you said you had three right i have three i had three from 2018 yes okay and let me tell you spoilers i almost nailed every single one of these really yes well i have five so i'll start off okay and then um on my second one you'll start okay great first prediction i said pokemon or metroid um this year or both like one or the other or both um, Pokemon um, Switch will be um, shown E3 or after, um, and then Metroid will be shown off in January. Um, Switch was uh, Pokemon Switch was shown off before, but thought, this is kind of a weird thing. It was a Pokemon game, but it wasn't like the Pokemon game, right? But I I, I would still count it because it's still a Pokemon game, and it's not like it's a mystery dungeon game. It's a Pokemon game. It's the traditional game, yeah. Um, in that sense, so I, I still counted that. But I only gave myself half credit for it because Metroid obviously did not uh, get shown <laughs> off in January or any point in 2018. So, wah, wah. Wah, wah. so half for that one. All right. Um, number two, Bethesda will announce and release a Skyrim-sized RPG not set in Fallout or Skyrim. Half right on that one. They announced a Skyrim-sized RPG, Starfield, but it didn't come out. So that's not really. It didn't come out this year. It didn't come out this year. Yeah, actually, I have six predictions apparently. So give me one of yours now. Okay. The okay first prediction: the new Pokemon on Switch will be a new Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, not a remaster, 
but completely change every game mechanic of Pokemon into something that we've never seen before, using the original 151 and the original gym leaders. And it will take the franchise in a new direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good prediction. Yeah. It That's came right. true. That was, that was number one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely came true. Almost exactly spot on. Well, for my number three, uh, we're just going to have to see. Uh, Crackdown 3 will be seen as a disappointment. Won't be seen as worth the wait. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number four, I was right about this one. Kingdom Hearts 3 will not come out in 2018. Boom. Boom. Nailed it. Still hasn't come Called out yet. that delay. And then you do one, and I'll do my last two. It is gold. It hasn't come out yet, though. Yeah. The ending, final se- the, uh, the epilogue, and the secret video are still not out yet. <laughs> uh, number two, we will see no new console announcements. No redesigns, no slims, etc. Fair enough. Well... The only thing that might cause a hiccup in this is that Microsoft in their E3 presentation said, we are working on new consoles. That's about all they said. Does that count against it? I would say, because you, you mentioned like revision. When they said consoles, we all took that as they're working on the next-gen consoles. Now we know that they might have also been talking about a revision, like the discless one. Yeah, um the dickless one. The dickless one. But I wouldn't count that as an announcement. Do you know what I mean? Like, the fact that we still have yeah. so many questions means that it wasn't... A, like, that was a really bad announcement on Microsoft's Boom. part. If they're like, why is no one excited for a discless console coming out in January when we announced it? <laughs> uh, why is no one excited about it? Yeah, I, I think you're fine. That, that counts. Woo! So, two for three so far. Two for two, I mean. Yep. Two out of your three two total. Two for two. Two for two. Um, here's my next... My last two. Uh, no N64 Classic. Which I was right about that. Boom. And then um, I just wrote for my six, um, the Nintendo January Direct, I had a bunch of predictions for it, and literally every single one of them was, like, way off. <laughs> it was, like, going to announce Animal Crossing, and they were going to show off the Metroid Prime 4 trailer there, and it was just like, nope, none of that happened. No. So, um, but the only predictions I did get were N64 Classic, Kingdom Hearts 3, half of the Bethesda one, and half of the Pokemon, or Pokemon Metroid one. So okay. I got half of my predictions right. My last one was, is Joy-Cons will take off. New colors, there'll be new game-themed ones, or possibly even redesigned ones like GameCube versions. I wouldn't give you full credit for that one. Yeah, I don't think I would get full credit. The redesigned but, one's like, does Pokeball Plus count as that? Since it's technically no. a full working Joy-Con. But, it's, not a, it's not a Joy-Con, though. But it didn't, uh, it didn't function. I mean, sorry. The... It didn't take off like I thought it would. I feel like we got the same amount, maybe, as we did last year. Yeah. We got the Diablo-themed ones. We got the Smash Brothers ones. We got the... the they were just kind of timed with games ones. the same way they were timed with games the year before. There wasn't, yeah. like, a change in their behavior at all in treating... And how they treat um, the Joy-Cons. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for that one. Yeah. No. But, I mean, it's not like it got worse. It just kind of stayed the same. Stagnation. Stagnation. A whole nation full of stags. Well, I'd say let's go into the 2019 predictions now. 2019 predictions. What's coming out? Well, Holden and I are obviously pretty good at guessing, so this is all going to happen. I Holden and feel... I have one, two, three, four, five, six, but the six is a big one. Okay. I have five, and my third one has three sub points, but it's actually a pretty quick one. None of these are actually very um, big, but I'm 
very confident in all of them. So I feel very all good. Right. I only put ones down that I'm like 95% certain of. So I feel cool. really good about this. Um, Me too. I guess you'll start off this time because I started off the last one. All right, here we go. Number one, Microsoft will fold Xbox Game Pass into Xbox Live Gold, replacing traditional games with gold. Interesting. So instead of giving out a f- like six free games a month, it's just going to become Game Pass as part of Xbox Live Gold as another way of beating PlayStation Plus. Interesting. I like that. Most of mine are Nintendo-related. That shouldn't be a surprise. Number one, a 2D Zelda game will come out in 2019. Not announced, coming out later, announced and coming out in 2019. But is it going to be on Switch, or will it be on the 4DS? <laughs> so, I'm saying Switch or 3DS. doesn't matter. It's just the point is that a, three, a 2D Zelda game will come out. There's been a Zelda game literally every two... I went back and looked at the release cadence for the franchise. Yeah. Every single... Every two years, a new Zelda game comes out. The only exceptions are... There are two exceptions in all of it. One is a five-year gap between A Link to the Past and No Queen of Time, but a Link to the, um, Link's Awakening came out in the middle there. So really there's a three-year gap. And then uh, there was a one-year gap. Um, I want to say like Twilight Princess and then like the next year Phantom Hourglass came out or something like that. Um, but if it's not been a two-year gap, it's been less usually. Every year has been two years like clockwork. So it's time for a 2D Zelda game. It's going to happen. I just don't know if it's going to happen on Switch or 3DS, but it will happen in 2019. That's my All right. Uh, my next one. Days Gone will be the year's biggest surprise, similar to how God of War was this year, and will be a legit Game of the Year contender. I, I, I'm doubtful on that one, but... I know you are, but if you would have asked at this point last year whether God of War was going to win Game of the Year... I think people would have said like, yes. no. I think... No. Remember, we knew almost nothing about that game in January last year. I but I was very skeptical about that game. I was. But everybody... I, I was skeptical because everybody else seemed to be so up that game's ass already. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think Days Gone is going to surprise the hell out of people. I hope so, because that game's been a long time coming. And if it's just another zombie game, it's really sad for Sony Bend. Yeah. So it better be something Think about special. this, though. You you flipped no, your coins a lot on this one. You've been going back and forth on Days Gone. I have, yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now my feelings are they still got to sell me on it. I I think it looks boring as fuck. But they held it back, but, which is actually a good sign, I think. Yeah, they yeah. held it back to April. But I think that I think that's why it's going to surprise the hell out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Number two for me, Pokemon for Switch will be given a title before the end of March. Ooh. So you will find that early on in the year. Um, how long ago? How long does that usually take between announcement? Is that usually in the summer when it happens? So that, this is what I looked up. So if it is a um, mid-generational one, like like a Let's Go or it's an Ultra Sun or it's like Black 2 or something like that, right. those games generally get announced at the summer and then come out in the fall, like close to the summer. But right. new generations get a title generally in January or February. And then there's like the trailer that comes out in May. and uh, so, But a title we'll probably gotcha. see very early on. And, and it guess? is coming this, this year. This doesn't have to be part of the year you think, but what do you guess the title will be? Um, I have no idea, but I, I've heard plus and minus. 
And I, um, but I think that might not be a good one because like one's positive, one's negative. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is the bad version of the game. This is the great version. Of the game. This game has extra shit. This exactly. one you're paying. I have no idea. Um, I have no clue. Honestly, pee-pee, I would. Pee-pee. Oh, what honestly, I would like to see. What? Just one Pokemon game. That'll no, never happen. They're not going to do it. But they I just want to see that. They sell so much from both copies. I know. I just want to see just one version of it. It'll never happen. I know that. But I just, that's what I want to see. All right. Next one. Mm-hmm. A VR game is named is nominated for Game of the Year. You think we're ready for that? I think, you think so. You think the world is ready for that? There was a lot of discussion this year around Tetris Effect being a legit contender for Game of the Year. That's true. That's true. Which itself isn't necessarily a VR game because mm-hmm. you can play it regularly. Yeah. But apparently the way to play that game is in VR. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. with what we saw this year, if it just keeps improving, I think that Has there a, might be one nominated. And you're specifically talking about the Game Awards. Yes, specifically the Game okay. Awards. Because we will have to measure this at the end of the year. I want to make sure we're right. clearing that up now. That way it's like, no, I meant the IGN Awards. <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> duh. I, I meant uh, Game Informer. <laughs> Game Informer. Um. All right. So I have uh, three games here that are undated. Specifically, these games have to be undated. I couldn't say Pokemon's definitely going to come out in 2019 because they basically have confirmed it. They haven't said in like an announcement, but they've essentially confirmed it. Right. In uh, earnings calls and stuff. So here are three games that do not have a date. Um, and I think they're coming out in 2019. Last of Us Part 2. I think it's going to come out in the last half of 2019. It is absolutely time for that. that. For that time to come out, uh, that game to come out, specifically Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding will not come out this year. Okay, uh, I do not think those games will come out. Um, but the, my main prediction is that Last of Us Part Two, um, last half. Um, the second game is Metroid Prime Four will come out before September ends. That game will not come out any later than September. Before September ends. So, okay. So just wake me up when September ends so I can play Metroid uh... Prime Four. Oh, so clever, Holden. And then um, C, this one, honestly, I put it on here because I'm like, it wasn't already announced as 2019? Oh, it's definitely coming out in 2019. Doom Eternal. It has no date. It's not given a year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but like, come on. That's not coming out in 2020. That's coming out in 2019. There's no way they showed off as much of that game what as else they do did. They, have? they still have Wolfenstein Youngblood. Which they did say is coming out in 2019. They did say that. Yeah, but they said the summer. They have... So I think Doom would be the fall. That's the only thing on their list of stuff so far that's coming out in 2019. That I can think of, yeah. Okay. And Elder Scrolls Six. Think. Well, right, yeah, right. Absolutely. I'm not making that prediction perfectly clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so to be clear, because I kind of spoke a lot in tangent in that one, the, the three games I'm referring to for this prediction are Last of Us Part Two coming out in the last half of 2019, Metroid Prime 4 coming out um, before September ends, and then Doom will come out in 2019 as well. Probably the last half. I'm not as certain on a date for that one, but probably the last half. All right. All right. So this is the big one. All right. I have one big umbrella prediction mm-hmm. and then three subplot subpoints to it. Okay. One, all three big companies will reveal new significant console upgrades. Ooh. Starting with Nintendo. Nintendo will announce in summer slash early fall a new Switch Pro design. Doesn't have to be called that. But with increased battery life, screen resolution, and power at two ninety nine, mm-hmm. same price as the regular Switch. Yeah. While discounting the regular one to one ninety nine making it more affordable right in time for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Number two, at E3, Microsoft will reveal two new console boxes, mimicking the Xbox One X and One S dynamic, both coming in November this year. All new games will be cross-gen by design, 
so they'll work on previous and new ones. There will be a delayed streaming iteration of the console that will launch in March of 2020. That we won't okay. be able to find out this year, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But the two hardware versions and then the streaming version, but the streaming one's going to be delayed. That's extremely bold. Yep. And then Sony. Here's the third one. Okay. At a press conference in the first half of 2019, PlayStation will announce PS5. It will be a traditional hardware upgrade, one SKU, and it will be backwards compatible with PS4 and PSVR, but PS5 games will not play on PS4. There will not be a PSVR 2 on launch, releasing November 2019. I think this is the year we see new consoles. I don't agree at all. I th- I think it is. I think there's so much scuttlebutt. They've got to get out ahead of each other. I don't agree. At everyone's all. everyone's racing. Maybe Mi- maybe Microsoft. I think Microsoft is in a position where they could do that. Sony though, they, their consoles just dipped for the first time. They can't let Microsoft get a year ahead of them though. You saw what that did for Xbox 360. It took them the entire generation to catch up. They still did well though. The uh, but yeah, but it took them the whole generation though. I've looked at those numbers, and it's actually not as bad as as people make it out to be. They were doing consistently well throughout the entire generation. They had a hiccup in the first few months, but that didn't but they last. Gotta win, yeah, they got to win. They're already crushing it, and we know how arrogant they can get. So I don't know. I don't. I'm not as <laughs> I'm not as sold on that one. And, and part of the reason for that too is why would they then get rid of PSX and E3? They're getting rid of PSX because. I think that's going to be like a hands-on thing with PS5. When they announce PSX, mm-hmm. I think you're going to be able to go hands-on. Or when they announce PS5, I think they're going to be able to go hands-on with PSX early. Sure, but they're saying like we don't have enough... Okay, so if this were to happen then, so that would mean that... You never really agreed with me or disagreed with me when I said that Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima are coming out in 2020. That's basically what I was saying. Oh, that's because I had predictions about those two. Okay, so... Can you just share that right now so we can talk about this? What's that prediction? So, uh, Death Stranding is released in 2019. Mm-hmm. It will be the first game revealed as cross-gen okay. between PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Yeah. And it will be revealed... That information will be revealed at the PS5 reveal event. Okay. Ghost of Tsushima, same thing? I didn't have anything about Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. Um, so, I just think if, if PS5 is coming out this year... Last of Us Part Two would have been dated already. Um, Ghost of Tsushima would have been dated already. Destiny would have been dated already. Those are things that they're going to announce throughout the year. Um, may, yeah, maybe they'll do like if they're all cross gen, and that's why they've been holding off on the release dates for those. Maybe and that that could make sense, but I don't think they would announce they're going to not do E3 on the year that they're going to release a console. I think that's way too risky and too dangerous. I think they're doing that kind of like what I was saying earlier to kind of create a radio silence, like like Nintendo did before the Switch came out. They just kind of just went radio silence for a while and then made a huge big explosion with PS5. Well, if you remember, they with PS4, they they announced it at a February event. Like, they just had yeah. their own event at February. Yep. And then, yeah, they did PS4 at E3 that year. But mm-hmm. but then, again, think think back to all of the, the scuttlebutt of, like, oh, these announcements are in, imminent. Like, there are no secrets in the game industry. These things leak out so early ahead of time. And right now, everything we know is probably not this year, probably next year for Sony at least. So I don't know. I just I really there's there's no where there's smoke there's, basing, where there's no smoke there's fire or there's, there's smoke there's fire there's no smoke right now. I'm basing no fire. that 
off of the fact that I think Microsoft's launching this year. Yeah. And I and I think that Sony has to if they want to stay on par with Microsoft or beat them. That's even, my biggest hunch about but that. But even Sony has said that they're not doing anything soon and because they're, they're publicly traded at E3 or PSX. They've talked about the next gen consoles though and they said that it's going to be oh, yeah. a, a few years and I just think, why wouldn't they? The PS4 is, change, is, is still selling. All right, fine. All right, we'll, we'll disagree. This is something we're really going to disagree on because I just don't yeah. agree. I, I think the Switch one, I battled a little bit making a prediction about that one. And I agree, where I settled on that is the the Switch revision will happen because they want to get the normal Switch down in price to 199 149 something like that. So that yeah. they can get rid of the 3DS, and ultimately the the, the cheaper handheld product is really just going to be a, a, a earlier version of the Switch. Um, yep. That makes total sense to me. I don't think that they can do that next year. I don't know, but they do release new hardware in the handheld market every two years, like clockwork. So they they just they always do that, and I like, I think I said that a few weeks ago as well. So yep. it's like it's tough. Like this is the year for them to do it because the next-gen consoles are probably coming out in 2020, I think. Like, they wouldn't want to release the Switch Pro, or whatever it's going to be called, the same year that the next-gen consoles come out. I think they want to do it a little bit ahead of time. Um, I don't know. But that ties into my fourth prediction, which doesn't rely on the Switch Pro. It doesn't talk about the Switch Pro, but if the Switch Pro does happen, it will help my next prediction. Um, Nintendo Switch will be the best-selling console worldwide for the first time in 2019. For the whole year? For the whole year, yeah. Um, because of how this is going to have to work, right now there's no sales data for December uh, 2018. So we probably won't have sales data for December 2019 by the time we're recording this episode next yeah. year. Um, so we'll just base it off of January to November. If they have Which a will... 199 Switch to yeah, sell in the fall, exactly. yeah, that's going to that's yeah. gonna add some numbers, bro. But here's why I think this. Um, it's still seeing really good growth. It already has a 28% increase on sales from last year, not including December. And December is going to have crazy sales for hardware for the Switch yep. just because it's the Smash Bros. came out that month and Pokemon came out like the month before. That just You already saw a huge increase from in the November numbers from 2017 to 2018. It's like double. It doubled the numbers from uh, November 2017 to November 2018. So December is going to follow a similar trend. So they're doing super, super, super well. The growth is huge. And I thought that Nintendo actually had a fairly weak year in terms for of software? for software. Yeah. I mean, really, it's Smash Bros. and Pokemon. Outside of that, like, yeah, I liked the games. Mario Tennis Aces. Exactly. That's the kind of stuff they're releasing. That's just not huge games that bring a lot of people. But man, next year, holy shit. Metroid Prime Four. I mean, let's let's be serious. The ones that we know about are already happening. Let's not include Metroid Prime Four, but you're right. Let's not include it because it's not official. Pokemon's official. Animal Crossing is official. Fire Emblem is official. Um, uh, I'm missing one already. Luigi's Mansion is is official. But Marvel, like Ultimate Alliance game, is official. Um, Mario Bros. Um, Deluxe, you whatever the fuck it's called, like official. Like there are huge games coming out next year. So couple that with the, the the upward trend they already have and these crazy games coming out and the fact that they're already selling better than Xbox and that PlayStation is on a downward trend because at that point in their cycle, it Switch is absolutely going to be the best-selling console next yeah. year. I just don't see it any other way. I'd be very, very so. surprised, yeah. All Go right, my it. last prediction. Yeah. This one is all 
critical reception base. Okay. With a couple of actually like releases in here too. So yeah. one, Dreams is finally gonna fucking come out. <laughs> Better. And it's gonna settle on Metacritic under sixty five. Ooh, yeah, I think you're probably right on that one. Yep. Yeah. Death Stranding is coming out, and it's gonna hit over ninety. Okay. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is coming out next year. It's gonna land between an eighty five and a ninety. Oh, another thing we disagree Gears five. <laughs> Gears five will launch and settle at eighty or below. Okay. That's it. My last prediction is uh, the exact opposite of something you just said, and that is that Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven will be given a release date slash window of twenty twenty, but that'll be announced this year. But it will not come out this year. My reasoning right. is that um, I looked back at how they marketed The Witcher, and it was a two-year, um, it was a two-year um, period between them showing off the first trailer and um, releasing the game. I'm counting the first trailer as that like 45 minute gameplay yeah. experience. Did they have 45 minutes of Witcher Three ready to go? They though? did not. Um, so that was impressive. Well, they probably Cyberpunk. had that ready to go for the Witcher, not quite that polished, but they had probably that much content already worked on um demos are usually specifically made and like yeah. it does a chunk taken out of the game but um it's always it's been two years for most of their games it's been two years and it's always been a year before the game comes out they announce the date that it's coming out so i think that's what's going to happen all right that was your last one as that well. was my last one as well yeah all right so you'll have to keep us honest, people, mm-hmm. because if we forget to do it, I'm going to save my note this time, so I don't have to go back and listen to the episode to figure out what I got. <laughs> I'm going to save that. Listen next year, January. That'll be our next episode. It's next January. <laughs> Just kidding. We've got two segments left to do. Very quick. Remember when you said you thought this was going to be a short episode? Yeah, I know. This is already the longest episode we've ever recorded. I know. God, it feels like we say that every week. <laughs> so we have two things left to do. One, we have to give some of you guys, or one of you guys some money. Two... We have to figure out who we're thanking this year. So let's start with the first one, our participation trophy. So once a month, somebody from our community gets 20 bucks to spend on the gaming service of their choice just for participating by giving people uh, or recommending people listen to us by rating us on our podcast service or by interacting with us on Twitter. This month with the holidays, we had a little bit less player turnout. So we had six entries. Let me get up my spreadsheet so I can figure out which number to go to all right so we had six entries we're gonna have siri choose for us hey siri pick a number between one and six a random number between one and six is three three is dane deasy owner of dane's balls (laughs) i know that guy Dane Deasy, check your Twitter DMs for $20 to whatever service you like. You can just text uh, him. You, you also have his phone number. Or I'll just see him in real face. In, yeah. in, oh, in yeah. Life. There's also that too. Why did I say text him? You'll see him at work like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, wonderful. So yeah, if you want in on that, you've got one entry per week for each of those methods for the whole month of January. And we'll be giving that out at the end of the month. Next is a new segment that we started last week called Thanks for Creating. And it's where we're going to spread a little, bit of po- a little bit of positivity in our game industry by thanking people who make all the wonderful things that we love. So this week, it's going to be different every single week. Last week was thank a developer who made a game that you loved in 2018. This week, I want you to thank an actor who portrayed your favorite video game character. 
So find out who it is, research it on Wikipedia, whatever it is. Find them out on Twitter or any type of social media and just let them know how much you love their performance. Uh, this is a, a big thank you in giving back. That brings us to the end of our episode today. Uh, so next week, we'll be back on Tuesday again. Make sure to... Uh, oh, use the hashtag, thanks for creating, so that we can go and check in on all of your love and, and see that all. But until next week, here is our usual sign-off. Happy New Year! I'm going to buy the Soldier Boy console. <laughs>